kind of where'd you get your roots from? What's your story? Who's Julian Dory? Um, how'd you end up in the podcasting realm? Yeah, so I th this was not really no, this was really planned out. It just kind of happened. But I worked on Wall Street for five years. I worked in the private bank at Merrill, and so we worked with. You know, I, I hate this goddamn term, but we worked with what's called like ultra high net worth individuals. So our book was our book of business was basically people with an average net worth of like 70, 80 million. You know, some people that had a billion in there. And we also worked with companies as well, some private that were bigger and then public. I did that for around five years and I kind of knew all along. I want to say all along, but probably about a year in, I started to figure out that like, you know, Wall Street was not for me. I mean, look yeah. at me. Like, you see me wearing a fucking <laughs> suit over there. You don't yeah. look like a Wall Street. Yeah, you don't, no. You're not dressed up like Lex Friedman. It's funny, like all the people I met during my career, they see me now and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> but then, you know, like the people that saw me not at the office or like not in New York City, like doing things, they, they kind of know. But this is just always who I was. I like to roll out of bed, throw on a hat and throw on a T-shirt and call it a day. All right. And we are live. Julian Dory. How are you, What's man? What's up, guys? Welcome to the I'm show. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Kev, how you doing? Good. I'm great, dude. How are you? Good, man. Very excited. This was a weird way this episode came about. Very fortunate. One of those things you look up to the sky and say thank you for. But uh, without further ado, we'll just uh, get right into it. Julian, this is Julian Dory. He hosts the Trend of Fire show. You can find it wherever you find your podcast. We'll leave a link down in the description. Um but I went back onto your YouTube channel and I scrolled down to the bottom and looked at the first couple episodes and saw they have not nearly as many views as your ones do now. And those are the episodes. That works. Yep. Those are the episodes that show like who you truly are, what you're truly striving for. And I think it was like episode six, you dove into music real quick. So I'd want to tap into that. But uh, before anything, kind of where'd you get your roots from? What's your story? Who's Julian Dory? Um, how'd you end up in the podcasting realm? You answered that a little bit on your episode, but <clears throat> just kind of want a yeah. little bit more. Yeah. So I, th this was not really, no, this was really planned out. It just kind of happened, but I worked on wall street for five years. I worked in the private bank at Merrill. And so we worked with, you know, I, I hate this goddamn term, but we worked <laughs> with, it's called like ultra high net worth individuals. So our book was our book of business was basically people with an average net worth of like 70, 80 million, you know, some people that had a billion in there. And we also worked with companies as well, some private that were bigger and then public. And that could be on things like 10B5-1 plans, which are like options or not options. They're, they're options executions for like executives or something even as simple as like a 401k, which is just a way to get in the door. But I did that for around five years and I kind of knew all along, I want to say all along, but probably about a year in, I started to figure out that like, you know, Wall Street was not for me. I mean, look yeah. at me. Like, you see me wearing a fucking <laughs> suit over there. You don't yeah. look like a Wall Street. Yeah, you don't, no. You're not dressed up like Lex Friedman. That, no, that was the one funniest of the things I uh, sent to you too, is I like your style. 
This is like the first episode you had that Flyers hat on. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, man. Look, I mean, it's funny. Like, all the people I met during my career, they see me now and they're like, wait, what? (laughs) But then, you know, like the people that saw me not at the office or like not in New York City, like doing things, they kind of know. But this is just always who I was. I like to roll out of bed, throw on a hat and throw on a T-shirt and call it a day. But I did that and... I worked for a really great guy who I'm very close with to this day. And I I think I stayed so long because I wanted to make it work with him. He gave me my opportunity and everything. But it started to become clear that that was not going to be the way to go. Because, like, for me, I I think everyone's different. But I I could not – I need to like the way I make money. I don't need to love it. You know, you can't be too romantic about it. But I need to like it. Yeah. And I, I didn't like working at a – I mean me working at a bank. I don't like rules <laughs> that don't make sense. That's, That's the last place you should go if there's rules that don't make sense. Maybe that or a government or something. You know what I mean? So yep. – Join the army. I was, I was yeah. like – I was like basically – I guess at like four years in, the way that business works is – You work like a dog for three, four years. You make no fucking money. And if you do a great job, you get an offer. And I I got the offer and I was like, oh, shit. Like, I can't take this. I mean, hypothetically, I could have taken it and then stayed there for a year and collected my first big checks and pieced. But that's not me. Like, I'm not going to do that to my guy. Like, if if, if I'm being brought in the inner sanctum by Larry, who's my boss, like, you know, I'm committing for five years to do that. I'm committing for at least three, four, probably five years. And I'm like, I'm going to hate myself. If I do this, I'm going to hate myself. I'm going to have money, whatever. But I'm I'm going to absolutely look back with a ton of regret. So I'd always had side LLCs. I was kind of like, I guess my whole life I was a creative person, but never really realized that. And once I got out of college, I started to realize that. And I looked back at all the things I had ever done, and they were all based on that. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing in Here, finance? Yeah. And so <laughs> so I was doing like some side work. And so I'm like, all right, I'll make a move towards marketing. Just get my foot in the door and figure it out from there. So I was working on changing industries for the five months leading up to the pandemic. Didn't know the pandemic was going to hit finally started to break through right before the pandemic and then everything dried up but in january of 2020 i had done a a quick media work one day for my friend and we did like some interviews at the end he wanted me to like go back and forth with him on some stuff for content and when we finished the interview it was like late at night on a sunday night the 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 studio lights went off and i realized there were like 30 35 people sitting there who had been watching who had been working for him and then had stayed around and they all started coming up to me like bro do you have a podcast mm. and i'm like no what the fuck am i gonna do I'm oh, like, i want a podcast <laughs> and they're like the they're like you need a podcast right and and i'm <laughs> yeah. like i'm like people had told me this a bunch before and i always brushed it off like yeah okay and then i guess on that drive home you know, it was like a two-hour drive home that night. I was just thinking about it, and I was at that crossroads. And I was like, you know, typical spur-of-the-moment, like, dumb decision. I'm like, fuck it. I'll just, like, start. If I'm going to do it, try. I'll do it right. Let I'll start researching equipment on the weekends. You know, we'll figure it out. I have no money, but we'll figure yeah. it out. And so I started doing that, and that was my one, like, Saturday project or, like, very late-at-night project after doing job search stuff. And because I was still working on Wall Street, my boss told me to hang around and collect the check while I'm figuring my shit out, which was really cool. 
And so then the pandemic hit, and I remember the first day of quarantine was Friday, March 13th, as I was up in North Jersey. So we were in like the heart of the storm. And I hadn't remembered that the week before I had ordered, pressed the order button on all this equipment. Because like that last week leading up to the pandemic was crazy. Mm -hmm. And I was working on Wall Street. I had clients freaking out, you know, the world's ending, all this stuff. So I forgot about it. And then New I York get the notification. Oh, yeah. It was, look, it was obviously like people have a lot of opinions on COVID and everything. And, and we all know they they took it way too far and did a lot of awful things with this. What I will say is that it was very fucking real. Like, yeah. you know, the people that are like, oh, it wasn't real. Listen, the dude that sat six feet from me in the office, 45 years old, in shape, played in a couple sports leagues, like no pre-existing conditions. That dude was in a coma for 60 days from it. So like we saw how bad it could get. And again, that's what happens with viruses too. At the beginning, yeah. they're really bad. And then the virus wants to learn how to survive. And as it learns how to survive, it stops killing the fucking host. So that's what, you know, the the powers that be didn't want to remind you. You know, they wanted to tell you, oh, it's still killing you yep. and everything. Two years later, it's like, all right, shut the fuck up. But, <laughs> you know, we were like, it was it was kind of crazy. And I, I get the notification, the equipment's there. And I go downstairs, I get it, I bring it upstairs, I put it on the couch, and I just look at it. And I'm like, you, you know, you are really dumb, but this is the dumbest shit you have ever done in your life. Like, what the fuck are you going to do with this now? Yep. And then, I don't know, I was like... Five seconds of silence, ten seconds. I don't know what it was. But I was like, well, I guess if not yeah. now, then then when? Because every the job opportunity. Yeah, every job opportunity just dried up. And the world was ending. And I'm like, well, fuck it. Whatever. So I started building it. And I spent about six months just working all day and night. Just whether it was researching, setting up, mastering, figuring out the, the whole space, building the studio, just... I don't even remember all the shit I did, but it was a lot. And then I launched in September 2020. And so, you know, I went in prepared for a lot of things. I also went in eyes wide shut for a lot of things. If you would have told me that I'd be at whatever it is, 200 million views on YouTube with 275,000 subscribers Man, or whatever 85. it is. You posted that today. That's 85, 2085. <laughs> Even 10 more. Yeah. <laughs> so if you would have told me that I would have had that and I'd still be in my fucking parents' house and making no money, I would have never started this. So I'm very glad I didn't know that. Because when, when the pandemic hit, I let my lease run out and I came back down to South Jersey. And my dad was like, I mean, you might as well go for it. And I'm like, well, thanks. So took the back room, built a studio and been trying to get the fuck out of here ever since but you know it's like it is definitely it is definitely a grind and i've i'm glad i always had a fuck ton of respect for content creators always before i ever did this i i never i was not one of those guys who would hate on people for doing well at all like i love success i love watching people work hard and i knew how much work it took to be like a logan paul or something like that yeah and now doing it, holy shit. Like, whoa. I, now I yeah. really, really get it. Yeah, the biggest difference, though, is the sky's the limit with something like this. Like, I hope so. And, it, and hope it's so. The, the reason why I wanted to do it uh, is because it's all up to you. So, yeah, it sucks. 
sucks a yeah. lot, but I mean, you're not on Wall Street anymore. There's no one down your throat saying you have to do this, you have to do that. Right. Yeah. There's there's benefits to not 401ks. <laughs> None of that. There's there's benefits to not having to answer to anybody for sure. Oh, yeah. And like I'm not I'm the kind of guy I fucking hate telling people what to do. I'm really like I do not like that. I don't get off on that. I, I don't get it. Like when people are into that, I'm like, well, I just don't understand whatever that gene is. But I also don't like being told what to do. So when people, like I said, with Wall Street, the best example was when there are rules that make no sense and have no logic to them and are and are detrimental, not just to you, but to the clients. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to look to break those rules. So looking at an industry like that with that kind of oversight, that was another thing. I'm like. Gonna, I am not long for this. You're just gonna like, break I'm going to get kicked out. <laughs> I'm going to break rules. Like if I keep going, I'm going to start breaking rules because this shit is insane. So, you know, in this job, there are no rules. You just fucking There's no rules. Go. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I. It's interesting being the. You know, the judge, jury and executioner of the work because, you know, I do it all myself. And yeah. so I, I probably miss a lot of things, too, but. I try to cover it all. I'm just trying to get to a point where I can really actually pay somebody to, to work with me. No, my question is like, if you have all these views, how are you not at that point yet? Because, so I'll give you an example. When I first started to go on shorts, it was December. And what they did, it was, it was more videos that going in the feed at once than I'll really ever have because they took a bunch of videos I had posted over the previous three months that had insane average watch time that they hadn't put into the algorithm. And once they got a couple to go, they went back and pulled those in. So I got like 44 million views in December. So that was, that was the highest I ever did. On those 44 million views on shorts from the shorts bonus, I made $2,600. What the hell? Yeah, because it's demonetized content. Oh, and the yeah. big oh. the big the big problem and we knew this coming in. I just thought YouTube would have solved it by now. The big problem is that YouTube is coding shorts channels as shorts channels, despite the fact that I had over two hundred videos on there that were not shorts before I ever posted a short. Oh and so shit. when I get like the, the average watch time, the industry standard watch time for like even like decent long form videos, like long, let's say long form podcasts, which is the data I got from people in the yeah. industry. The average watch time on those two, three, four hour shows is like 11 minutes on YouTube. All right. Now I would imagine that's going to go up a little now because YouTube now finally allows you to exit the app and it stays playing. But, you know, I'd be doing, I'll give you an example, like the Bustamante episode one. I put out seven clips on that that have 50 million views. I think it's at like 48 million, 49 million views across those seven clips right now. His episode has three times the average watch time. It's a three and a half hour episode. It has three yeah. times the average watch time of the industry standard. I'm My subscriber ratio of new viewers to subscribers is the highest it's ever been on a video. Yet that video is not pumping in podcast feeds because YouTube has coded me as a shorts creator. So Almost all the views I get on that are from people going from my short, opening up the comments of the description, 
finding my pinned comment or the link in my description, hitting it themselves and going there. That is a lot of work to yeah. ask from people. So when people hit my page when they're on a short, YouTube has a thing where it takes them to shorts only, like a TikTok feed. Mm. And then they don't even know they have to hit the profile picture to go to the full feed. So I will, and it drives me nuts, I will have people comment on, on shorts like, hey man, love the shorts, can you please post the full podcast? And I'm just like, you guys don't think I would have posted this full podcast? <laughs> no, no, I don't blame them. Yeah, it's no, a, I get it. That's yeah. a YouTube problem. Yeah, no, that's I not their it. fault. That's not their fault. And and I'm just like, fuck, man. So yeah. it does get frustrating sometimes, but I, I can't, you know, the most I can dwell on it is when I'm explaining it to someone like you who's yeah. asking a question like that. Like, I don't have time. You know what I mean? Like, it is what it is. Life sucks. I mean, figure it out. It's just what it is. You can't change it. Yeah. Life yeah. no sucks. Figure it out. <laughs> right. So yeah. YouTube, I mean, look, YouTube has figured out a lot of shit. And I, I have faith they will. I would love to see them figure it out sooner because it would make my life a lot easier. It's very stressful, you know, having to make a perfect short. I mean, the pressure I put on myself to do that yeah. because I'm putting all this time into it. I'm spending 15, 20, sometimes 25 hours on a short. That's You're married to that thing. And then that's time that opportunity costs you are now spending on that. And that means you need this one to rip. Yep. because every one of those is like a lottery ticket because I'm solely responsible for driving views to my content. I do not have help from an algorithm. Yeah. So, what about uh, you know. sponsors? You're never, you, you don't want to do sponsors? I have, I have a couple. I have a couple. Um, one is Eight Sleep. And that, that was great because my, my friend was the original chief of staff at that company. He was one of the first people there. They're an amazing amazing company that's a unicorn like in silicon valley well they're out of miami now but they um they make mattresses and covers for mattresses that are wired into data it's oh that is like right yeah I've, i'm sorry yeah i completely forgot it's about the that. greatest yeah. thing ever but yeah, it's you know a two thousand dollar product so you don't make a ton of sales yeah. on it that's more for like legitimacy like yo eight sleep sponsoring you it's pretty cool <laughs> yeah uh yeah. the other one i have is privado VPN, which is actually a great product. I use it every day. Like that's an, I will yeah. never put out a product that I don't use and fuck with. Privato VPN I use every day. It's easy, awesome. But there's a million VPNs out there. There's a million. So people, you know, every podcast, it's like podcasts are all sponsored by Manscaped or VPNs. So, you know, <laughs> you, you can't really... <laughs> differentiate it's funny, there yeah. so yeah, you notice yeah brought, brought to you by nordvpn dollar shave club right <laughs> right yeah. exactly dollar shave club's another one so yeah. i'm trying to make sure i don't fall in that trap i want to do stuff that's like a little different but yeah i mean it has been made clear to me I, i'm sure there's some outreach i could do with brands but i don't even it's time it's i i don't i don't have time to do it like i'm all about growth because growth gets me to the promised land sooner. And it's been made clear to me by the podcast industry that, you know, as of right now, they do not believe in me. They do not fuck with my show. They have no interest in me and fuck off. So that means I got to grow a lot more because I would love to just get a deal. I'd love to do a three-year deal where I own the IP and I make you look great because if I actually, I've never spent a dollar on marketing this podcast. If someone puts some money behind this and puts resources behind it, I mean, I, I, I have a lot of confidence that I can do well. But you know, I've been told to fuck off. So, 
Yeah, man. <laughs> That's. I mean, <clears throat> so after you're told to fuck off by, I mean, pretty much everyone who has the power to get you to succeed. So everyone who can say, look, here's his stuff or the algorithm, like you're explaining all that shit. They're all telling you to fuck off. <clears throat> But you're still waking up in the up. podcast industry. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. to be clear. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. And yeah. you're waking up every day, still grinding. So when you're 12 hours into this YouTube short, and you're like, "Man, I gotta make this YouTube short." Does it does it pop up in the back of your head in the middle of creating? Because when I'm here, editing whatever video, and like it's got to pop up. Like, man, I'm doing this because YouTube doesn't see much. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, back in your mm -hmm. head, you're like kind of. Not doubting your work, but you're almost saying, I don't want to do it because it's like I'm getting scammed so hard. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't think of it as scammed. I Look, I clearly have an interesting relationship with money, and I do <laughs> not answer to that. That's why I'm worth $8,700 right now, and I didn't take that contract that would have paid me five hundred grand in the first year. So, you know, I, I have the proofs in the pudding with that. I don't get too, too upset at that. What I do worry about is I'm, you know, I'm a social butterfly, man. And I enjoy life. I enjoy doing things. I enjoy being around people. I've not left this studio in two and a half years. And when you're, there was a point, I think it still may be the case, but there was, there was a point where on views per video and shorts for podcasts, I was number one in the world for four or five months. I was, I was frankly on YouTube beating these other people like a drum. And I'm looking at that going, what's it going to take for somebody to be like, here you go. All right. <laughs> yep. What do you need? And so, yes. Do I think about that a little, but like I said, it's when I'm going back and forth and questions like this and we're actually talking about it. When I'm actually making the video, as you said, not really. I'm wired in. Like, that's one thing. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but when I make shorts, that's one there. thing I feel like I can be the best in the world at. Okay. And I've proven it. So yeah, when I make something, yeah. I, like, I've never seen a podcast short. And, str and honestly, it's not because of talent. It's because it, people just aren't willing to put in that time to do it. They're not crazy like me, I guess. But I've never seen a podcast short that is edited and put together anywhere remotely close to the quality control that I've made myself do around here. That's just, you know, that's, that's a really conceited, arrogant thing to say. It also happens to be what I believe is the truth. I mean, yeah, it's... If you got statistics to back it up, yeah, <laughs> we can pull up your YouTube shorts right now if people really want. <laughs> you know, like why am I, why is when Logan hits a bomb, he's getting you know ten yep. twelve million views. When I hit a bomb, I'm getting twenty million. Like views. a why bomb? Is that? Yeah, no, that's a I bomb. Have no, I have no business beating <laughs> yeah. Logan Paul on views in anything ever. Yeah. Guy's been doing it for thirteen years, right? But I am on this, so I'll explain that. You know, are, are are you seeing other podcasts that get 104% average watch time on 34 second videos that have a that have an activity bar at the bottom that shows it, which means people are more likely to click off? I highly doubt it. You know, so yeah, like that's that's definitely a like there, but 
when I'm making it, I just can't, I just got to make it, man. And like, I'm hard on myself. Like I made one today. It's not one, you know, we'll see. It's, it's not one that drives a lot of conversation. I thought it might drive a little more conversation because people hate politicians. It didn't. And I take that personal. I'm like, well, that fucking sucked, Julian. It was a waste of time. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, so now the next one, like, all right, well, let's make one better than that. Let's try a different realm of content. It's just, you know, you're constantly going back and forth. Yeah, in your head. With, yeah, that's, yeah. That. Well, that's like one of the biggest things I struggle with, I would say, is because if I put it down, well, I'm, we're also new to this. We're a little newer than you will say When did that. you guys start doing it? <laughs> uh, three months ago. What was it? Gotcha. It's like February or March. Roundabout. No, no, no it wasn't February. that. No, because like I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't too long ago, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the first episode, what was it? We didn't, I didn't record the volume. Literally, we had no, we recorded an hour and a half, <laughs> an hour and a half episode. We're like, this is our oh, first, no. our first podcast video. It's going to be awesome. Didn't get the audio. Ugh. So then my, my mic kept breaking. So for the past like 15 episodes, my mic has been a pain in the ass. Finally got the sure mic. I think you got it too. Because I looked down all the other podcasts. Shit. I'm like, look, this is the nice mic. Everyone's using it. Well, I've never used uh, the, the mixer before. So the last episode, I'm like, yes, new mic. This is going to be awesome. Well, it only comes out of your left ear for me because I botched that. <laughs> Literally. like only, Look, man, like, you got to figure it you out. You know what I'm it's, saying? So it's like, yeah. Things like that where the next day, I, it takes me like almost almost that whole day to recover. And then the next day, I'm like, look, let's get back to it. Did, right. uh, was there ever like like a, like a you've been beaten down, obviously. Beaten down, beaten down. You're wow. getting back up. <laughs> getting back up. That's the name of the game. But when it comes to producing quality content for your YouTube and for your podcast, was there a time where you got like beaten down? And you're like, look, this is just like during the early stages, I'm sure, where you're just like, look, this can't, this is hard. <laughs> How do I, where did you not, dry the strength from to continue type deal? Believe it or not, the first six or seven months, not really. I was so, for all the things I had prepared for and known research wise about how this stuff goes and stuff like that. There were a lot of things, even the first six or seven months looking back now, I didn't pick up on and didn't realize. I don't need to get into that. It's a lot of weird, random shit. But <laughs> the first six, seven months, no, I really didn't. I was so fresh with it and just doing it every day. And I actually finally, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that tells myself I'm not good at anything. I finally was like, all right, I'm not horrible at this. This, this might have... There might be something here. There are some things happening in here that I don't see happening in other places. And so I, I didn't get beaten down by it. And then once I went viral for the first time on TikTok in like April 2021, that was when I first got my early audience. And then I started doing well with that and feeling it out. And you thought you knew what content worked and what didn't. You didn't know any of that. You're still, I'm still figuring it out all the time, but you know, there's, there's always something, there's always something new to learn. So throughout that time period, no, not really. When I, I hit a lull and I got down end of September, 2021 and October and right into early November, because 
I had really exploded for the first time in like August 2021. I hit the podcast charts on Apple Podcasts. I was like, holy shit. Like, Let's go. You know, we we got over 10,000 subs on YouTube. And mind you, hadn't shorts hadn't worked yet or anything. Yeah. But I was like, this is this is unbelievable. Like, wow, we might we might have a shot here. And then TikTok started getting on me. And I listen, I don't have content that even touches the line <laughs> on TikTok. But the way TikTok works, as it's been explained to me by some very big content creators over there is that and it, it this can happen at every company but it is insanely normal at tiktok is when someone over there decides they don't like you they do whatever they want and so they they banned a video <laughs> they banned they banned like two videos back to back and suspended me and the second video I've since reposted better created now in June, heavily redacted, bleeped everything. <laughs> I fuck with on because I don't care about t TikTok. Doesn't doing it, YouTube's my bread yeah, and butter. Like yeah. TikTok's nice, it's a bonus, whatever. Yeah, exactly. But like the 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 rate of the rate of of conversion of YouTube as opposed to TikTok, as far as people listening to the show, it's not even close. It's like a thousand to one. So, you know, I make content that's primarily for YouTube, meaning it may not work on TikTok. I have videos on YouTube that are at 20 million that are at 100,000 on TikTok. Like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. But with TikTok at the time, that was all I had. And so when they, they – the, the first video they banned though, not the redacted one, was me talking about Operation Paperclip and talking about like – In Antarctica? Am I thinking of the right one? I might be thinking of the wrong. That was when they imported Nazi scientists, right? Yes, yes. That's, that's Operation the Paperclip. There's I'm another one. There's like some else. there's some conspiracy theories with Antarctica about, oh, they all went there or whatever. <laughs> yeah, so Operation Paperclip was when we took a bunch of Nazi scientists after the war, when the Cold War was was ramping up, and instead of throwing their ass in, in, in prison for the rest of their life, we employed them. Gave them a good life. They came here. The they trick in the book. built our fucking rockets, <laughs> took us to the moon. And it's like, gotcha. you know, a guy like Andy Bustamante is going to look at that and say that was the right decision. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. For me, he's going to be like bad guys, horrible people needed their talent. We did what we had to do. Yeah. For yeah. me, <laughs> you know, listen. No, I, yeah. You mentioned that too on, uh, on that. I think you were talking to Jim DiOrio saying how you're more emotionally, um, Wire, more wire. Yeah, wired. there it is. Mike Cadella you were talking to. But I'm I'm definitely not uh a bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not, but but at the same time, I, I don't think uh I don't want to say this. When I was when I respond to things like that, like some things are personal. Like I'm not over World War II. I'm sorry. Like I'm just not, you know. That that's that's like kind of a line in the sand for me. That shit was wild. So you know, when when I hear something like that to this day, I'm like, oh, that's such a bad look. You know, so I put out a video where that was the connotation. I was explaining what happened, and I said, like, yeah, we did this. This is really bad. They banned it for hate speech. Get the fuck out of here. So that's when I was like, oh, where, 
we're fucked. And actually, since then, when I put up a video, when it, when I put up a video in in June, it was funny. They banned it for for inciting violence, and it was fucking Andy Greenberg, who's literally the nicest human ever, who writes for Wired. And he was talking about how he met Julian Assange. And he's like, yeah, we met him at a house and we went to the place and we we did it at the place where the cameraman who we hired to shoot him, you know, would would, would be filming. And they took shoot him as shoot him. And oh. so I peeled that and they had to overturn that one because, like, wow. you know, they saw who it was, too. But, you know, You're like, that's how that's how finicky they are over there. So when when i got banned i went the podcast that it had all this momentum the chart went boop, like that september october and november and now i'm over a year in and i'm like oh my god i just lost 70 percent of my audience because they're not seeing me every day or you know a couple times a week on tiktok that's how they get reminded to go in because i'm a fucking nobody they have no reason to listen to me unless they get inspired to do it yeah so that was tough and then i just kind of started creating my way out of it and then youtube started to hit in december and then i hit another lull and it, it always happens when because like when i hit that lull the other thing was i had a murderer's row of guests coming in i had leveled up with guests uh. and i had some great people coming in and right when i hit the lull and these episodes are coming out everything sucks and so then it started to happen again in the spring and i started to level up again right when that happened i got cold everywhere but this time i was like i'm used to this whatever i'll create my way out of it and yeah. so that's that's what i do it's stressful because of the time you know that goes into that and like you don't know when you're going to get the one that hits but like you know i'm in a little all right now it just is what it is it, it i feel a little i definitely feel some quiet desperation every day because you know i am this is definitely no way to live. I'm not. It does not bother me too much because I'm doing what I love and I'm busy enough that all the time, like it doesn't really matter. But I don't want it to go longer than it needs to go. And I believe. I've proven concept. The industry disagrees. So unfortunately, my opinion doesn't matter. So now I, I have to. You know, I'm like, the way I look at it, <laughs> and this is why you can't think about this stuff before you start, because you'd never start. Yep. If I get to 500 million views, they can't ignore me. But they might. Yeah, they could. They might say, hey, no, Julian, how are you? Yeah. Suck my yeah. fucking dick. Yeah. They no. might do that. Yeah, they could. Yeah, that's the problem. They might. Yep. So hopefully at that, like, I need... If like a rich guy wants to throw some dough and Elon hey, Musk, hey Elon Musk is here, listening, man. bro. He hears you. <laughs> like I'm not gonna say no, but <laughs> I'm not. I'm also not out there asking. Like I, yeah. I, I, I'm not even. I'm not good at doing that either. Like yeah. I, I, I'm always a guy. Like I want to just do it and let the work speak for itself. Like if you can't see it, move the fuck on. Like I don't know. That's that's to my own detriment. I'm sure, but that's just how I'm wired. Yeah. Man. So. <clears throat> talked a little bit about how that's no way to live and then uh it was i was listening to one of your episodes with jim diorio and you guys i think jim brought up the ideal man he literally said those words and you're like can you go into that please talk about that a little more because the generation is hurting mm, yeah. what what is your your picture of an ideal man or what even what what's giving you that 
push forward when you're in that lows, that, that idea of what you're going to be when you're at the top, what is that to you? Well, I'll borrow another very short conversation Jim and I had on another episode as well to wire into that to answer that question. You know, because it's not, I don't know, I'd, I like to, I like to internalize some things that don't matter for who I am as a person. They matter more for me to inspire myself to make sure I stay disciplined. Does that make sense? Right? Like, I'm not that, I'm, listen, I'm not going to be Gary V out here going, you need to do this, yeah, this, and that, blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> I'm never going to, like, miss me with that. That's just not my style. But he brought it up and he talked about how he's driven by dismissal. And it's it's always interesting to me when I, even in the studio with someone I'm really close with, learn something about them that I probably inherently knew but never put my finger on and then realize, well, oh, I get along with this person so well. And it's probably because there's little things like that we have in common. When he said that, that just clicked because that is very much what I'm driven by. You know, I, I'm not, I don't have a hate and bone in my body. I, I like to see people do well and I, I don't compete with people. I, I, I want everyone to, if everyone could get their slice of the cake, like, hey, go do it. Let's see. But, um, when you give me a reason to compete, it is because of that dismissal and the way that I'm, that I drive myself through that. Let me explain this. The way I drive myself through that situation is my mind goes to, it is not enough that I win. You must lose and never try again. But usually once I've used that motivation for six months, whatever it is, and it's worked out well for me then I get rid of that completely and I wish that person well. Like I don't have, I, I don't do grudge holding and shit like that. Like someone really has to do something, you know, more than just like dismiss me for that. But in the interim, I will use that, you know? So when I, when I hear some of the things I've heard talking to people in the industry who are like, fuck off, I'm like, oh yeah, wait. Okay. Okay. That's the biggest mistake. You're, you're number 198. You just passed yeah. and now 199 is happening. That's that's how I look at it. I'm like, you're the guy that drafted the other guy and not Tom Brady. Sorry, that's going to suck for you. Like, that's really, you have to drive, and that's not to fucking compare myself to Brady, but in my head, <laughs> that's how I need to. Yeah. That's how I need to because I'm yeah, like, no. well, ideally, when you're doing something, I don't care if it's this or anything else, you should want to strive to be the best, right? And that doesn't mean other people have to lose, but like, you know, you want to you want to hold yourself to a standard. So when I'm driving myself, I'm like, yeah, 10 years from now, I want to be the Tom Brady of podcasts. All due respect to Michael Jordan. I don't want to be Michael Jordan. No. You know, Jordan, I think yeah. Jordan's the best player to ever play. I love LeBron, too. But like if I walk into a room and I say to a bunch of people, Michael Jordan's the best basketball player to ever play. I'm going to get a lot of people coming back with a legitimate argument saying, no, LeBron is, and they have a point. Whereas if I walk into a room and I say, Tom Brady's the best football player to ever play, and someone dares and opens their mouth and says someone else, they're a moron and there's no talking to them. It's like, okay, well, you just don't, you know, I guess you've never watched the game. You know, like how many rings do you have? So, Good litmus test, yeah. Right? So I, I, I drive myself to be that, and I do – 
there are a lot of greats. I, I, I love being inspired by stories of people who over a long period of time did things. It's important to say. But when you look at greats in a lot of things, it's a common thing that they ran into where they got no's when they were at a point where they had proven enough concept by far that they should have gotten yeses. So I, I don't think I'm special. I think this is something a lot of people most go through. I'm just going to use it as good motivation. And, and in a lot of ways, you know, as frustrating as it can be because you, you live with the unknown, it's like I'm kind of grateful for that too because it keeps me honest, right? It does make me have to think, well, maybe I do suck. That's an important thing to constantly remind yourself. And then it, it makes you say, well, no, it, may, maybe I don't. I can get better, but maybe I don't. And now I'm going to use that and I'm going to make sure I do so these people regret that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a productive suffering, yeah. Yes. That's actually – I might use that. That's good. No, I mean productive we talk suffering. about that on the show just because like I think a life where you have everything handed to you is like – it's just a hard life because you've had no adversity. But if you start from the bottom and then work your way up, you're going to be infinitely better off than the guy who just had everything handed to him. Correct. I could not. It's so well said. I, I have nothing to add to that. That's great. Yeah, no, it's just, it's something that like people say, oh, suffering, like how can that be good in, in any regard? And it's like, I mean, you, you just need to be able to use it better and grow from it. So, And I think, you know, when you see like Gary get up there and be like, I love losing. I just fucking love losing. It's the best thing ever. Like, yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you don't need to, that's, that's excessive. You know, so like I don't ever want to be misheard trying to say that, but you do have to – you don't want to plan on failures or suffering. You don't want to do that. You don't want to be like, well, I'm just – you know those people that go through life like, well, I'm just happy I'm failing because it's making me the man I am today. And they're the same fucking guy doing a line of blow off a hooker's ass the next day. <laughs> you know, nothing changes. Yeah, good to go. So Failing with this heroin right quick. Right. Yeah. They're like, they're like, no, like this is making me a stronger person. Like, all right, <laughs> probably not, but you don't want to be that. But at the same time, you, you need to know that the unknown of when a failure is going to happen when you don't expect it, like a really micro example, maybe I make a video that I actually, when I finish it, I'm like, Ooh, I think this one's good. Like, you know, when there's a little extra and then it's not, well, that's a failure. I didn't know that. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I can pick every reason why afterwards, of course, which is learning. That's great. And that's why you use it. But it's not like I was like, I'm going to make this video and it's going to fail. Like, <laughs> I am so ready for this video that. to And that's going to be good. You know? That's not, that's not how it works. So excited to lose. Yeah, super pumped to watch this get no views. Exactly. And it's a humbling thing. I mean, even today, I feel like, you know, I still feel like I'll, I'll put something out and no one will listen. No one will watch it. Yep. And I'm still. And, you know, I think it's I think it's a lot better to feel that way than the other way. I, I, don't, I don't understand and I hope I never do. And I don't think I ever will because I, I feel like I know how I'm wired at this point. But I don't understand people who look at everything they do and assume it's the greatest thing ever made. You know, if you do something over a long period of time and you know you have the data to prove that, that you're up there when you're just stepping on the court, okay. And like when I talk about shorts, yeah, I know I can step on the court. I know I'm, I'm capable of making something that could be the best in the world at that. But the assumption that just because you make it, it's going to be, 
that's insane. And that I don't think there's any point where that's not insane. If Tom Brady walked on a, on a field today and said, I'm Tom Brady, and therefore I'll do whatever I yeah. want today and we're going to win, he'd lose every game. You know, that's just not how life works. But people want life. They want to get to that point immediately. And then they want to be able to sit back and relax and watch that stay steady. But it never, it never works like that. You know, I, I'll always, there will always be a part of me that will remember having nothing, you know, and because I've never, never had money. I mean, I've lived paycheck to paycheck my, my whole adult life. I, I think as annoying as that is in some ways, no one wants that, but like definitely drives me. You know, my, yeah. my dad not giving me an allowance when I grew up, me getting a job when I was young and working my ass off. I'm pretty grateful for that. You know, that's, I think about that a lot. That's, yeah. that's, uh, that helps establish your basis for how you go after things and, and, you know, whether or not you can find success, which I'm still looking to find, but I think I have the, the baseline of the work ethic and the drive that can get me there. And so, you know, a lot of that comes from throughout your life, doing the right yeah. things and forming good habits in those ways. And I think, I definitely think parents like my parents deserve a lot of credit for that, for sure. Yeah. Um, we could dive back a little bit into your childhood. You wear all the sports stuff. You played sports? I sports. did. I was, I was like, I didn't grow until I was 17. Yep. So I was like Ooh. the short, yeah, I was stocky kid. Five one, yeah, I was five one, one thirty until senior year, man. What What are you now? Now I'm five ten, one sixty five. You're five eleven. Let me take two off. Yeah, let me put <laughs> let me put my J's on. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was uh, what did I play? Played every sport at one point except football, because I was always like too small. I would have gotten murdered. But I love playing football. Like we we played and we played tackle all the time. So I probably hit my head a few times. But I played everything at some point, and then I was by the end of high school, I was just playing golf, which you know high school golf's okay. It's kind of what it is. But that was the one thing I was decent at. I just couldn't. I didn't start lifting for real until I was twenty, and you know if I had done that when I was fifteen, instead of whatever I was, you know, I'd have been playing college golf, which I feel kind of relieved I didn't because I wouldn't have wanted to do that. I'm glad I didn't, you know, but that was the only sport I was like, you know, for show Good. on, I guess. I'm down like to Florida to play around a golf, man. Yeah. Well, I was actually down there with my friend Danny recording a podcast. Oh yeah. yeah, back, yeah. In, back in March. And he was like, we were there. I was there for two days. I packed like a t-shirt. <laughs> and we record the podcast on Saturday and he's, we go out that night and he's like, yeah, we're going to play golf tomorrow. I was like, what? Golf? What do you want me to play? <laughs> and, and he's like, yeah, we're going to play golf. I'm like, Danny, I have a t-shirt. I don't have shoes. Like, he's like, dude, it's fucking Florida. We can do whatever we want. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, Danny, I'm not playing golf. Cause like, I, you know, it, when you were like decent at it and now you never play, not the kind of game yeah. you just like pick up just and you don't want to really play like that. In, yeah. But we did play barefoot, whiffed on the first tee, but drove the green on 18. So I was like, all right, well, what comes up, around at some point. What course did you play? Do you remember? I want to say it was Largo. Oh, okay. okay yeah. it, it was like in, uh, 
It was in St. Medeer's Beach or some shit like that. Oh, okay, yeah. 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 No, I uh I worked at a golf course. That's how we started this podcast actually. I was a uh oh, really? cart boy at a golf course. And this was after I got out of the military and I was depressed as hell. Uh my parents kicked me out the house. Not kicked me out, but I chose to move out of my parents' house to uh continue smoking weed. Got my own place and uh yeah, started working at a golf course. Man, I listened to a podcast once, and that was it. I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to quit this right away. Texted Kevin right away. I was like, dude, we got to start our own. And that's that's it. We just started started yeah, right the rest there. Was history. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys both military background? <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Kevin was there before me, right? Yeah, Kev, how long were you there before me? Yeah, no. I got to the Army in uh, July of 2014. And so I was wow. working at our engine shop for like – like three years probably and that's when trevor showed up and like initially i freaking wanted to throw him off a roof because he, he's got like this loud mouth and like he didn't do whatever you told him like if you told him to do a he was going to do b just because you told him to do a and i'm like oh my goodness gracious bro but like it worked out like i could see that he had a lot of potential in him and that he wanted to do good work it was just like when he thought something was stupid there was just no chance it was getting done so <laughs> uh, I just kinda, you sound I a lot like, like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. And Kevin, Kevin was my boss it. too, like my frontline boss. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, he would do work. I would say it was okay, and then it would go flat, right? And so a lot of it was just making sure that he knew kind of why we were doing what we were doing, and then it was fine. But if Trevor didn't like or understand why we were doing something, it was just like, oh my god, it was like more effort for me to to explain to him what we were doing sometimes and me just do it myself. But yeah, no, he got, uh, you got retired. Right? Yeah. I got medically discharged for scoliosis. I didn't know I had, man. Oh, geez. They had me right where they and wanted were you guys, me. Were you guys both, were you both army? Yeah. So both army, we both were helicopter engine mechanics. Um, gotcha. so that's, uh, you go in, you do the basic training for 10 weeks. Then you go to Virginia for, this is like 24 weeks for school. And then uh, we we went to special ops, special operations. Luckily, that's why I hit up Andrew. <clears throat> uh, mm. But yeah, so we went in. We were supporting people like him, and all that shit. So that's why I was hitting home. And then uh, yeah, I I took a flight to Indiana from. We were in uh, Kentucky, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Took a flight from Kentucky to Indiana to fix the engine. Flew back in a storm, so I laid down on the hel helicopter to sleep. Took a nap. And I woke up the next day. My back was pounding. <laughs> I was like, okay, oh, yeah. this, this ain't right. You had, scoliosis, you had, you're born with that, right? That's the only yeah, way you have uh, it, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Mine is lumbar. Mine is my hips. So my right foot is like a whole like inch and a half shorter than my left. So it's been gradually mm. getting worse since I joined the Army. And yeah. then they were like, look, we can't fix this. You're out of here. But, but yeah, it was uh, – Good times. That's that's where I found out I, I can't work for anyone. It will be hell if I work for anyone. <laughs> um, it just won't yeah. work out at all. Um, but it's also, yeah, where uh, I learned a lot. I was married before, or yeah, before this too, in the oh, military. God. Got cheated on while oh, I was really? Yeah, I was in Iraq, Afghanistan. She cheated on me with a dude I worked with down the hall. Oh, no. It yeah. was a mess, dude. Yeah. Like, and he's Kevin, over in fucking... He was over in Iraq, and he hits me up like one Sunday morning. He's Sunday, like, hey, 5.30 a.m., bro. <laughs> at the ass crack of dawn. Homie's like, 
hey, can you go check out my house to make sure there's no cars in the driveway? And I'm like, fuck, okay. Oh. And I go over there, and of course there's a fucking, I'm not going to tell you which one it is, but yeah, there's a car in the driveway. I'm like, dude, what an, what an idiot, dude. Like, all he had to do was park fucking yeah. oh. across the street, yeah. And like, like we we saw that it was there. I told Trevor there was a car there, and I do this U-turn and like park in the middle of the road, like taking a picture of this shit, <laughs> just so I had the evidence, you know. Yeah. And so yeah, I was like, here it is, bro. You're fucking. Yeah. So that all. Hit. How old wear. were you when you got married? Ah, oh, dude, it was a big mistake. But uh, night night. Is when I got married, engaged. Yeah, engaged Holy at nineteen. Fucking shit. Engaged at nineteen, married at nineteen. But the way the army does it, I got it. I doubled my pay. I literally doubled my pay. Went from making well, it was like twenty a year, twenty thousand a year to forty five thousand a year, and I got my own house at age nineteen. So I was like, why the fuck wouldn't yeah. I do this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like so. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I did it. It's and then, crazy how it's crazy how institutions have a way of being able to convince you to do things like, oh yeah this is a great idea yeah. <laughs> you know what i, I mean I can't, can't see where anything would go me when i'm 50 <laughs> yeah I'm not an idiot. but but yeah so that's uh hit a low uh, hit, a, hit a real low and then uh that's when they t it was about three months after that is when i found out they were kicking me out and i was trying to be a lifer so i was trying to do 20 had no other plan. Oh my god! And then I'm like, dude, what the fuck? My whole life just crumbled into pieces. I got nothing left. I'm sitting in a house. <laughs> I, I, like I don't even know what the fuck to do in my life. And then yeah, that's where Kevin came in. And uh, just like you were saying about Jim, how like he says things, and you're like, what the fuck? I knew that, but didn't realize it till you said it. That that was my yeah. That's Kevin. Like Kevin would say some some shit. I'm like, man, I knew this since that's I was cool. a kid, and it was just like down in my thoughts. Didn't know it was real because I was alone. And then finally, I was like, look, I'm alone too much. I was walking around the golf course with an earbud in, with all these rich people around me, driving Cadillacs, all this cool shit. One earphone in, listen to a podcast, and I'm like, this is bullshit. <laughs> this is just straight <laughs> bullshit. Let's get to work. All and right. then went home, and there it is. Yeah, man, but yeah, uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, you were like in this limbo real quick for like a while too. It was like probably six or eight months mm -hmm. where like he didn't know what was going to happen. It was basically the army was going to say like, "Hey, you got to get out in like two weeks." But it was like six months of that. Like, homie where it was like you anything. might like it was. Oh, you almost had it. Oh, oh. Like yeah, six to eight months to where they're just doing that in front of my face. Like, you might be getting out. You that might be staying sucks. in. Yeah. So that's yeah, where the way they that do it sucks. <laughs> pretty ass you know i was asking my That's, boss every yeah. single day dude i was like dude do we have like any answer we can get this guy like anything and they're like oh no we don't know i'm like oh, fuck you guys you know, like that was one of the things that really kind of got me to say like i'm getting out oh so you i was gonna say you are out now yeah no right. i got okay, out good. i thought you said that yeah yeah almost exactly a month ago last july so no shit yeah you did, no, like, I, I guess like seven years in there yeah, I want to say it was eight years total, but I mean, after just kind of seeing like how they treat people and like we had another problem with our friend that I thought they handled, you know, very negligently. I'm like, if either of these things could have happened to me and it's like if they treated me like they did these guys, I'm like, this is this is not going to work for me, man. So, you know, I, I can't. Um sometimes it's hard for me especially when i hear all kinds of things because i talk to people for a living mm -hmm. and it's like you want to fix everything you want to mm -hmm. save the world but y you can't you know what i mean and and there's things you you literally can't change but 
I swear to God, one of the things that is just crazy to me is how two aspects. How much when veterans are done with their service, this country pushes them off. And yeah. secondly, how much we just assume that when someone goes into active service that, oh, yeah, it's hard, but like now they're in it and everything's all good. Yeah, they signed the but line. But we don't realize there's still bureaucracy and bullshit there. Oh, man. it's Well, <clears throat> no, that was another thing I want to say Andrew brought up, the three people in the CIA. He got the – well, it was like the people that want to do the work. They're grinding for the work. It's the people that are just there to get the paycheck. And then the people – what's the third one? I can't remember. People that are trying to get their next career. Yeah, I think. exactly. Yeah. So the people that are trying to get the next career are the ones surviving because people like me and Kevin caught on to the scheme at four years in, six, seven, whatever years in. And we get out because we realize that all the people that are in these top dog positions are those people that are just trying to keep going up. So now we the, the backbone within our company was you got four. It, I mean, dude, it's hard to explain. You got four. Five, probably five to ten people with the most influence on the guy that has all the on the most influence on the commander right Kev? like you got about five to ten people that are all within a circle together and they're all moving up together if you ask them when did you get here mm -hmm. one will say I was, oh i got here 11 years ago the other will say 10 oh well i remember when i got in he was here he was doing this we were together but it's yeah because in spec ops you don't pcs like normally it's every three PCM. years you get a new duty PCS, station. so you'll oh, change, yeah. Yeah, you'll change duty stations. It's a permanent change of station. So basically you gotcha. move duty stations, right? So um but like in special operations you don't do that unless you want to. So I could have stayed at the same unit twenty years essentially. So you get a lot of this kind of good old boys program is these guys that started off brand new and then they all just rise and they look out for each other. Sorry, right. go ahead, bro. But then, yeah, then they don't look out for their <laughs> their soldiers because they got to go to the next move. They got to get up right. to the top. They got to make it up there because that's how they make their money. That's how they feed their family. Then you get the people that yep. people that are actually working, actually give a shit. Me and Kevin, who see this, and that's it. We're out. And then now, yeah, and now it's a whole downhill. Kinda how it, so how do you fix that's it? Kind of how it. <laughs> that's how it usually goes with yeah. things. Unfortunately, you know that people don't like. Uh, at the end of the day, a lot of people are going to look out for themselves, which you have to, but mm -hmm. I'm saying like they do it a hundred percent of the time and they'll convince you otherwise. They'll convince you like my whole thing is I never want to tell someone that something needs to happen that not only I wouldn't do myself that second, but that I've also done a million times myself. You know what I mean? Yep. There's a lot of people that get into roles like that, that, you know, even if in this case, like in the army, like, yeah, and there's some ways they definitely are paying their dues. But like, you know, you're telling me, you know, how every single person <laughs> that works for you does every little thing. And you're telling me that you did all the same shit they did. You're telling me, no, yeah. no. You know what I mean? Like there's certain, there's certain things that are a little more complex where you also have to take into account the type of people who are there. So like when you're at... When you're in the army, when you're in the Marines or something, you're with people who, yeah, everyone wants to feed their family. They want to get their paycheck and everything, but like they signed up for something that's a higher calling than themselves. You know, that's what, that's what you do when, when you make that commitment. So I, I, I hate hearing that get lost in the fold. It's a tough one. 
it's, it's that's ultimately what would have drawn me out or would have driven me out of the army if I right. if I uh, was able to stand. But while we're can talking, can I go to the about, bathroom? Can I go to the bathroom? Yeah, real send fast? It. let's do it. Is that cool? I sorry to cut you off. Where no, were you? Uh, honestly, I wanted to dive into politics a little bit because sure. uh, I I want to say we probably me and you have a little more similar views than you and Kevin. Kevin's a little more right-leaning. Uh, I don't dive into politics too much at all because it uh, it angers me too much. I have a hard time. Like, <laughs> I have a hard Good time like sit, sitting back and just just actually just letting it go and talking about it. But uh, I normally leave that up to Kevin. But you you kind of have no choice but to talk about it because of your your audience that you have on your guests that you have on. So uh, I mean, what helps you not get so rot like angered about the talk because like i said i get like, like, like irritated you get heated like, yeah like heated right what makes you not get so heated do you just have to think to yourself like or what like to me i thought <laughs> I, the last solution i thought of is just say i say oh my god a lot so i was just gonna be like every time i say oh my god just think to yourself like calm down <laughs> oh my god right. this dude i think i think if you're human you you even the most reserved people feel some things when there are things that could directly affect them or affect people close to them that happen in politics, which is unfortunately the nature of this game, which is what they make it. They make it a game, um, which which is a whole problem in and of itself. But for me, you know, the generalization is that liberal people react emotionally, over-emotionally, Right. Conservative people act over pragmatically. I lean like I'm an emotion guy first, and that's probably why my views lean a little more that way on things. But my my views do not lean at all left. Yeah. Like there's an enormous enormous difference yeah. between like most. I, I won't even say most people, but a lot of people who are still true liberals who are like, what the fuck is going on out here? Which I actually think is a great thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Because it's yeah. making people realize, wait, these people, <laughs> this is nuts. Don't give a fuck about you. <laughs> yeah. But I do take a lot of pride in the fact that I train that pragmatism too. I like, I, I feel like I have a good amount of it. It may not be my first reaction, but that's why a lot of my viewpoints overall end up coming really, they may lean a little left, but it's pretty close to the middle. I, I feel like I'm pretty, I'm pretty torn all the time on things like I, it's you never see issues where you're just completely in agreement with one side's viewpoint because it's just it's always too far. You know, you're always going to be you're always going to be called a, 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 a liberal wiener by the right guys when when you're not like all the way there and you're going to get called, you know, a trumper by the left when you're not all the way. It just is what it is. So I don't. I'm very used to that, but I try to, when I hear things, get the emotion out right there. And then I try to reason with that, right? So maybe I'm like, you know, my poor mom, like, she probably gets the brunt of it more than anyone because that's my first reaction. Like, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? <laughs> but then when I'm, when I'm talking later about it with people and then even on the podcast, I'm calmer because now I've thought it out more. Now I've looked at, okay, let's, let's, even when there's things where it's like, I still clearly feel towards how I reacted. I can at least understand a little bit of the nuance there. 
And then, you know, when I'm injecting opinions where it's relevant for me to do it, when it's not, I won't, you know, yeah. where, where I'm doing that, I'm, I'm more, it's calmer, you know? And I, I do try to think about this, like our politics have gotten to the point where it's so tribalistic and so insane. And I see it, you know, I, I have an audience that, that goes both ways and I see it in my DMs. I, people are constantly trying to pull me onto their train and I'm like, you know, clearly your feeds are showing you all one thing. And that is something you should think twice about. Some of my favorite people to talk to are people who I know are looking at, even if they're not looking at everything, they're looking at a lot. You know, my, my liberal friends and my conservative friends who at least see what's going on and aren't just screaming like Fox News, CNN, you know what I mean? Like... I appreciate that a lot because they're still going to have their opinions, but they get to it in a way where it's actually, it feels good. They're friendly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're, that's why they'll never be in DC sadly. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's the other thing. Like they, those people are all cunts. They, 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 they get, those are people who get off on telling people what to do. Yeah. Like there that's... is a type of person that does that. And I've had opportunities to bring in some I guess like political figures and that's just the easiest, hardest no ever. It's like, no, <laughs> not a we're, we're not doing that. Yeah. You're not going to come here, be full of shit for three hours with me and get some campaign clips out of it. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Yeah. You like, know what I mean? They and, and, and like they don't say anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, they say nothing or they want to get across. Like, you know, it's all about anchoring opinions because people react like most people do even people who are conservative who have that pragmatic gene more than like liberal side where it's more emotional, the pragmatism can be backed with emotion. That's the other thing you got to realize. That's what so, I. That's what I thought of when you first said that. Is yeah. Like, <clears throat> even if you're th like thinking logically and thinking, calm down, relax, just think you could still be thinking about all the emotional shit. Like, it doesn't mean yes. you just, you've just stepped out and now you're good. You're still, right. you still got those in your head. It's I, what I mean when I say that is in, in that generalization is that the basis of the argument comes from that. Like the idea uh, I'm making this up on the spot, but like the liberal wants to save every life and not lose one. The conservative recognizes better to save a hundred and lose 25 then then save 25 and lose 100 you know what i mean yeah. like that's one thing that when i when i talk to my friends on the right they're better at right away than i am because they're wired better that way but it doesn't mean that like after they've stated that opinion or not that one but you know on something that they're not going to be emotional about it like people are they just do it in a more follow-up kind of way i guess is what i'm saying you know, that's just, I, I don't know. It, it is a generalization for sure. Yeah. Like there's definitely exceptions, but overall that's kind of more how it goes. And then once you, once, look, once you leave the, well, I can only speak for me on this because I've only ever been in my brain. But once I left the spectrum, you know, I, I was an Obama guy and then a Trump guy and then a nobody guy in, in 2012, 2016, 2020. I mean that's that's a confused you're, individual, right? You're homeless. That's a very <laughs> that's a confused individual. It's like, wow, why was I like I was the biggest fan of Obama ever. 
And then I was the biggest fan of Trump ever. And then I was the biggest fan of fuck everybody ever. Yeah. How does that happen? And then, you know, you try to relate it to your own life. And I'm like, well, how much of it, how many things have really directly affected my life? Uh, I can't say this for other people, but my life like crazy. All right, not a ton, but I'm looking at the long picture of stuff. And then I start to look at how views have shifted among the parties over time. And no one wants to talk about that because it's, it's all just they go with what the data says is going to allow them to distract everybody. You know, once I heard someone said it and it's been said a bunch of times, but once I heard it said that the 1% convinces the 99% that they hate each other by dividing them along two lines so they can continue to do what they do, that really clicked for me. Because, I, no. I, you know, I got to a point where I would see these people like you'd see Mitch McConnell, you'd see Nancy Pelosi, and I had the same exact emotion for them. There was no difference. And I was like, oh. And then you see, like, you'll see them speak at conferences together. They're all friends. They're fucking drinking, <laughs> which in some ways you're like, well, I'm glad our people who disagree yeah. can drink. But that's not why they're doing it. They're doing it because they think it's fucking hilarious that everyone buys into this ruse. You know? And they get to stay there for 40 fucking years. So what does that say about us? What does that say about me? I mean, it's I'm buying funny into too, it. Yeah. yeah. Everyone gets wrapped up in like left versus right, black versus white, whatever. Yes. It's like, dude, there is one divide. It's the 1% and everyone else. Yes. Everything else is just nonsense meant to distract us. I agree. I yeah. agree. And it's like the, the responsibility people should feel because like if you want to be successful, if you're trying to be successful, then eventually you end up in that 1%, right? There are too many people, in my opinion, who end up there who forget. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people who don't and they should they should be get a lot of credit for that. But like I even see like Mark Cuban, who's a guy who has opinions all over the place. Right. And you will see people getting so pissed at him for things on the various sides of the spectrum. But then like guy's a businessman. He's complained about the pharma, the pharmaceutical prices and all that shit for a long time. He did something about it. Right? Like, I, I got to look into that more, like what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Someone was telling me about that like six months ago, and then someone mentioned it recently, so I was just thinking of it. But my understanding is that he basically, he, he I forget the name of the company, but he started something that, that creates medicine that's affordable. It basically gets people stuff that they need I, yeah, at I, cost. I think it, Kevin's sister came on and started talking about that too, Kevin. What, he, what was it? Do you remember? Yeah, pretty much he's got a way to deliver prescription medications at like a fraction of the cost but right. like what so i i took a healthcare administration in my college that's what my major is in but my question is like if you know that most of the cost behind a prescription drug comes from the research and to actually get it like it's not like these drugs just fall out of the sky it, right it right. takes right. money to get them so i'm right. saying like if if he can deliver all these medications so cheap like he's not driving the research but like if it's all if it's just shit like insulin and like inhalers and stuff yeah i mean i i think there's i, I would like that like i need an inhaler i have asthma i would love yeah. if i could go to mark cuban's website and pick one up for five dollars like i think i think there's places for both like okay you got the super expensive drugs for like this really rare kind of cancer okay i got that that's going to be expensive but for the shit like insulin inhalers antibiotics stuff that we have figured out forever right. why is this shit still so expensive right even right. a bottle yeah, of and, ibuprofen and, but, is like 25 bucks. <laughs> Get it at but the that, hospital. 
that and that's one of a litany of examples of things we can come up with across there's thousands of things across society tens of thousands of things but like i like the point is i like seeing something like that you know that guy's a billionaire and he's he's doing you know what i mean so i'd like to see people do that and be able to work their way into the conversation i think one of the reasons that rogan is so powerful to people is because he doesn't like if you want joe rogan to react it needs to be like telling him something wrong about mma yeah. or telling him that like <laughs> you know a man is a man is a woman he looks, or something he looks like ugly that. bald right like it, it needs to be something like that because most other things he does a really good job of staying level about it and you wonder like would someone whoever got into like politics which is not him but like someone else could they be like that i have a lot of doubts about that you know like you saw what it's an ugly world i mean yep. these people they'll be friends in in the back bar and they'll say all right i'm gonna step out and i'm, I'm gonna rip you to shreds in the media we're gonna run with this okay i'll be back in five <laughs> like that's what they it's do like a, it's a big game of wwe smackdown it's versus literally, raw usa edition that is what it is <laughs> and so i i you know i don't I'm I'm an optimistic person, but I am also a realist about some things, not like Andy Bustamante, but I make <laughs> myself a realist on some things. And it's like, cynically, I don't see it getting better. And I don't yeah. see, you know, it may be what needs to happen to get rid of these parties. We, we've talked about it for 100 years, but it still has never happened because of one thing, yeah. money. That lobbyist but, money. You know, I... I just parties speak to the worst things of tribalism of human beings. You have a nation and now you need to create tribes within that nation because that's just what we do. And if you don't, it's not enough to have a tribe of your nation and your fellow people, right? And just being a good fucking person. You have to have a tribe of people who think exactly like you do and want to see the most extreme of what your visions could become come out and more notably they're human beings who are apt to react so like the law of physics every action gets an equal but opposite reaction right so when you see these people <clears throat> you know who start in one place i i love studying people who <clears throat> are especially public figures who move left or right and I can see it play out online. I can watch them make the move because I can see them tweet. I can yeah. see what they're saying. I can see who they're tweeting with. I can see what types of content they're liking. I can see where, you know, what I can get an idea of what their chamber looks like and I can watch them totally change. It was very fascinating to see people who were staunch conservatives become unbelievably, seemingly hard left after trump right yeah. like and i wa i would watch that and i'm like wow i'm like all right i agree he's not good but this is excessive you yeah. know like you it just seems you were a bit much yeah you were like this for 40 or 50 years and now you're like this 
I mean, I know opinions change. I don't want to. One thing I don't like is that we punish people for changing opinions. You know, when it's Andrew Yang who just wants to flip to the next thing that he thinks is going to get him elected. All right, okay, you can call that kind of thing out. But you know, when you're like, when you go that far, it's like something happened, like something, something set off in you, and it it broke you, and it has affected your life because those people, if you think that they put down their phone and they have a normal life after that, I mean, come on, man. Yeah, no way. People like that don't turn that off. Yeah. No, I did want to get into a little bit. Um, I don't know what episode it was on. You said you don't want Trump back in office. Is that right? Is that? Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, here's. So the last two presidents, I think, have been really bad borderline disastrous in different ways okay fair enough and i would say i mean i thought obama's second term was really bad too like really bad yeah ironically i i feel like it was a lot better just by default than the next whatever seven years or whatever that's happened since but joe biden is you know he's he's a, he's he's old he can't he he literally doesn't know what's going on. He's not calling any shots. I don't think he wanted to be there. Like I think we get I, the Bernies, I, yeah. Right. Like I'm trying to figure out what the logic was there. I have some thoughts, but I don't want to speculate. I I what I'm very comfortable with is that he wanted nothing to do with that. And his family definitely wanted nothing to do with that. But nonetheless, he's in there. And you know, it's I would say since like the first six, seven months of his presidency, I was like, you know, this what my expectations were low, but like <laughs> this, this isn't, you know, the, I bad. went outside, everyone's alive, you know, like, all right, I know they were kind of using that COVID thing and dragging it out, but now they're loosening up on that. Okay. All right. Whatever. All right. I get it. Psych. Delta variant. Omegatron. Yeah. Monkey. <laughs> and then they hit you with all that. The inflation. Yeah. But they hit you with that. And really what the moment where it just went south was Afghanistan. Because right after Tell that, that's when inflation it, started becoming a thing, you know. And it was, and ever since then, I think it's just been an unmitigated disaster. But here's the big difference between Biden and Trump. This Trump is disastrous for other reasons. But Trump punches back and he punches back twice as hard, which if it's you and me in business on the street, we'd probably respect. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but like you need some people like that in, in the private sector for sure, for sure. Yeah. But when you're the president of the United States and you have unreasonable, like whenever you're left or right and you're in office, you are going to have unreasonable people on the other side who don't like you. Right. Like not just the people who don't like you because they're on the other side. I'm talking the other yeah. people, too, who are like unreasonable about it, of which these last two presidents have the most I have ever seen of that. All right. When that's the case, the biggest thing that can stop violence or not violence is a strong thing to say. The biggest thing that can stop people from losing their fucking minds is when they get to just hit you and it's over because yeah. they don't hear anything back. 
So all these people hitting Biden online, they just get it out. And he's an old man who doesn't respond huh, and they have no respect for him and they go about their day. Now, if inflation got to 40 percent and people are starving, that's a different story. I want to be clear about that. But with where it's at, people can kind of go about their day with Trump. When you do that, he responds. He throws out smoke bombs and goes to the fucking church down the street with a Bible up in his hand and says, fuck you. Human, I, it's not so much that like I wouldn't be able to handle it. I'm going to do what I do. Like, all right, do your thing, man. I just know society is unfortunately incapable of handling something like that. Yeah. So what I say is that if he actually really does love America, he's all about it and he wants to save America and all this stuff, let someone else do it, man. There, there, there has to be someone who's not like, you know, a living gargoyle who can run from your side, which, you know, who knows? Endorse, They're all gargoyles. Yeah, endorse but somebody. That'd that's what I'm saying. I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know that we can handle that. And I also, and this, this one's hard to say because it's everybody, it feels like, but Man, that silence on the Epstein stuff speaks volumes. Oh, oh my God. It's fucking insane. It's that bad. Epstein it is bad. He don't comment on that. No one does. No bad. one does. You're right. How many no times one, but I'm Bill saying, Clinton, like, Bill Gates on that shit. I would have thought, we, we know what they did. We, we know, right? They were like, playing Xbox, man. Maybe yeah, I'll even give Gates for a second slight benefit of the doubt, but like I feel like I know what that was. Clinton, are you kidding me? Like we, we know what that was. Yeah. Oh, but like <laughs> with Trump, with Trump, there's some, there's some outs there. There's like, and I had talked about it in the past. I'm like, he was the one guy. He was out there saying this. He, I'll never forget in 2015 when he was first running and no one was taking it seriously. You know, he was going on every show, and John Heilman and Mark Halperin were doing a daily politics show on Bloomberg. So they had the station somewhere at, like, some political rally, like, event for ahead of the primaries. I think this was August 2015. And they had interviewed Trump, and he got up to leave the set to go back to the crowd. And he was leaning down, and he was like, ask about Epstein. This guy, Epstein, he takes everyone to these islands. It's terrible, terrible what he's doing to him. Yeah. All these little girls, they're getting raped. You need, you need to talk about that. And raped. so you look back on that, and then you look at – they even had known history together, and the media wouldn't go after it hard. Because another reason was apparently Trump – and I've said this in the past – Trump banned him for life from Mar-a-Lago in like 2002. Because he came on to a towel girl. And Trump was told what about the it. Fuck? Yeah, he came on to a 15-year-old towel girl. And Trump was told about it. And he said, you ever come on here again, you get shot. Now, that's what they say. So mm. I put all this together. And I'm like, oh, my God. You're the one guy who was – for for the sex coosball maniac you are, you're the one guy who was around him who looks like he has an out here to be able to take a moral high ground and say, oh, yeah, this guy was horrible. Like, look, I knew him and be able to say it where it's not like, oh, you knew him. Oh, you were down there. Yeah. It's more like, no, look, I kicked him out of my shit. Fuck him. Like, I like fucking 20-year-old women, not 15-year-olds. <laughs> you know, like, he could have done that. Yep. But then he got silent on it. And, I, you know, you didn't hear a word. For all the shit he says every day on his true social, you didn't hear a word about the Ghislaine thing. You're, you didn't hear any of that. And I don't. You know, I, I was talking with someone last night who's going to be with him in like two weeks. And he said, I want you to 
text me any question you would have for him that you want me to ask. He said, don't tell me now. Think about it. And I thought about it last night. Yeah. And, you know, the easiest question would be, can you please not run? (laughs) But, like, (laughs) all right. Please, for the love of the nation. (laughs) I didn't want to ask him something that was, like, he could just give a quick campaign answer to, like, oh, how are you looking? Or, like, you know, are you going to run? Oh, yeah, you're going to love it. Like, I'm always the biggest dick. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, I you think you think you could, like, trap him? What, like, what I said, like he's in the one percent, they all trap us. Is there a way you can flip it and get a real answer out of them? Here's what I told the guy: I said, was Epstein Mossad or CIA, and why won't you publicly comment on him slash Ghislaine anymore? And I said, if that's too risky for you, ask him which of the following Bannon works for: foreign intel or CIA. So you know, like oh. I'd love to, I'd love <laughs> to see him. I'd love to see him speak about that. Yeah to see what what it is but i i don't think he's gonna so that that's just another reason because i i feel like he is very tied up in that and now epstein's been dead a few years he was older as years go on it's less likely people are push it under the rug (laughs) but he wasn't he wasn't the only one that might have to be a rumble exclusive i don't know if that could be on youtube (laughs) yeah yeah I, i don't know man but they uh they you know that whole thing is um yeah, did, have you ever seen Andy's answer in the Reddit AMA about that? No. I try to stay off Reddit. He um he was on an AMA a few years ago and someone asked him does the CIA engage in something along the lines of like human trafficking and sex sex trafficking in order to elicit intelligence or something like that? And he answered, <laughs> typical Andy, so honest. Like, I know this. Don't worry like, about I it. Wait, I keep waiting for him to get whacked by them. Yeah. I'm like, I look at him, I'm like, are you okay? Has anyone visited? Like, are you cool? <laughs> yeah. It's like, he thinks they're like, great. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, oh, you are a big uh, uh, mob guy, aren't you? Don't you like that that type of topic? I love that shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll talk about that like, soon here. I keep waiting for like the CIA to knock on his door with not a handshake, but you know, he answers like, yeah, man, listen, there's a lot of things that kept me up at night about things we have to do for intelligence. I'm not going to touch that one, but yeah, it's, it's scary, which is basically like, yes, we do that. Yeah. <laughs> that was so, his answer. That was his answer. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> but he, you know, he really is, he's honest, but you know, I, I don't, I don't know what the what the deal is there. I do know he wasn't the only one. He was just the most weirdly blatant one. Like, there's a lot of people who do this stuff. It's just scary that stuff like that is a thing. But, you know, you look at it. What's the one thing people can't come back from? Fuck a kid. I mean, I've seen people come back from murder. You know, yeah. like, you fuck a kid, there's no coming back. So you want to talk about blackmail. Yeah. It's the best blackmail ever plus he's got pictures with all them like it's just so weird it's so weird like if i decided i wasn't gonna fuck with anyone who knew jeffrey epstein i literally wouldn't be fucking with all of the high level of society technically because (laughs) that that includes like people who had a picture snapped with them this guy we don't we don't know any of the clients either like oh he's dead and his wife's in jail and we don't know anyone they they were trafficking these women too like these i'm not kids i'm not so I'm not so sure there's not a deal that was worked out. I mean, there had to be. I yeah. I know she's in prison, but like there there had to be a deal yeah. that was worked out. 
and I do assume he's dead. I, I believe that, you know, like, I don't think even him, like, there's not one man who's, like, bigger than that. Like, they, once you're not useful to a machine. Yeah, do you? You can be, you can be the highest level. You can be an ex-president. And if that ever came to that, you're out of here. It's a liability. Yeah. They don't no, care. Blackmail, but like, yeah, if you get blackmailed, you're fucked, especially with something like that. What was the, uh, you were just. Maybe it wasn't you. Maybe this was Danny's podcast, but he was talking to, uh, oh, fuck. No, the maybe Kennedy it was, Jim. no, maybe it was you with Jim and he was, he went through the dude with the dildo. Yeah. Oh, the cartel my, the dude with the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm working, I'm working on a clip of that. Yeah, right dude. Yeah. And I was like, yep, that's it. You can't recover from that. You're out of yeah, here. and yeah. like that's his own line. Like a lot of people wouldn't care about that, but he happens to be a mobster, and that's like one of their like, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah we don't have any, we don't have any gays in here, you know, because yeah. they're like, they're like that. <laughs> yeah, like that's where they pick their morality. But you know, he played on that because he's like, well, no one else would care, but I know you will. Yeah, you know, so yeah, I mean, it's shit like that happens. I just, you know, like like the the reason the second question is the Bannon guys because that is a thousand percent. I just haven't figured out if he's domestic or foreign. But Steve like Bannon? Oh, he's thousand, thousand percent, <laughs> thousand percent intelligence asset. He knows he is in all these places before anything happens. He was at what's it called? Detrick Lambert back in the 80s when he came back from the Marines. That was at Michael Milken's joint. All those guys ended up going out. They ran Apollo Global, a bunch of other companies. Apollo Global was founded by Jeffrey Epstein's biggest financier, Leon Black, of the last six years of his life, right? He was then, he happened to get his hands into Seinfeld somehow, which was like the biggest show in American history while he was at Detrick Lambert working in fucking finance because he was working in M&A that had to do with like production companies. He got a piece of that shit. He got a piece of culture. Then he ends up somehow at Breitbart, right? Like right when this Tea Party thing's starting to become a thing. And then, oh, Breitbart dies. Oh, now he's running it. And then somehow he ends up the head of Trump's campaign. And then he's that. And then, oh my God, Trump wins. What? And then he gets fired by Trump. And it's like all this hoopla. But then Trump's still talking to him. And he gets fired in August 2017. And the next day, he spends two days in an apartment building on 69th Street with Jeffrey Epstein on camera for 18 hours when no one knew who Jeffrey Epstein Most people didn't know who Jeffrey Epstein even was at the time. I'm sure. Right? And then the guy, he's yeah. laying out, he's on recording, laying out exactly how the post election denial is going to go eight days before the election. I mean, dude. <laughs> And, and and every time he got pardoned, Calm. now he just ah. you you know he got convicted or he got found guilty of contempt or something like a few weeks ago. You don't hear about that anymore. Oh yeah, maybe they'll oh. make him do a couple weeks in prison. That's not really prison, like this time, just to like do it for the record. It, but like that a month, dude, yeah. that dude, intelligence, 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 thousand fucking percent, thousand percent. Are you familiar with Steve Bannon, Trevor? No. No, I you was thinking you could. Up. The question for Trump could be why he fired him. You think he would give a? No, it'd probably be too broad of an answer. He'd have an answer. For yeah, that, bro. yeah, because I mean, yeah, he wasn't it wouldn't, it wouldn't huge enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I'm not even sure he fired him. Yeah. No, exactly. That's no. Well, that's that's the most fun thing about the podcasting business is like, kind of piecing together the questions to get down to the, to the meat and potatoes, like. Right. It's it's one thing to talk to someone, and this happens a lot with me. Is I'm very bad at articulating articulating my thoughts, 
<clears throat> so if I'm talking with my girlfriend or whatever it is, I'll say some dumb shit and I'm like, fuck, it's not what I meant. <laughs> like just if you could just hear what I could think, you would agree with me. But right. yeah. So then now I'm now something like this where you have an opportunity to ask someone a question in a day to day life. This is important, too. So I may as well get good at it now. Starting a podcast, how to ask a question. And this is why I want to go to Andrew's school. Th this type of shit is just so important. <clears throat> and, and I mean, this shit he had to do, bro. Oh, my God. You have to know how to do all that. shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, but I don't, I have not heard, I've heard of his name, Steve Bannon. I don't, I'm not familiar he, he's, with everything. He's the really, he always looks dirty. He's the kind of fat guy who hangs he, around and, and he runs that war room okay. show. He looks like an alcoholic. Yeah, no. Like he, he's he, fucking flushed. Yeah, but he also like, and that's the thing you got to remember, like that dude is smart as hell. You know, he's intelligent. You can think what you want of him, but like, you know, he's an intelligent guy. So... Like, I look at stuff like that, and I'm like, well, how does that all play in? You know, how does it... But I'm never going to know. That's the other thing. It's like, I'll think about this stuff, and then I go about my day. Yeah. Because I ain't going to change it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm right never going to know. Well, that's what a lot of There's... people uh, get hung up on is the social media yeah. aspect. And I wanted to ask yep. you about that a little bit is how social media affected you before your podcast. Because your first episode, like, this was the first thing you got into, and you were hot about it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just, I was so um, interested in how people responded to social. I never, never really felt much with that. So I saw how people would just live vicariously through it. I mean, I didn't, I was doing marketing for people on Instagram before I had an Instagram. I didn't get my own Instagram, start using it till September 2018, you know, and I was... One, I was just a newsfeed scroller on Facebook. Didn't even post things for years on there. It was never like my thing. And then I saw the pressures people would put on themselves. And then when I started doing Instagram, I'm like, oh, you got to do a picture like this or whatever. And then you do it for six months and you're like, why? Well, yeah, what, exactly. I'm like, what? why did that happen? Hmm, yeah. That's interesting. But there's people who they will never think that and they'll just continue to get off on it. And it drives how people value other people. They value them by their numbers. They value them. And, and some of that, when it comes to reach and pull, certainly important. It's not like, you know, everything's all the same. I, I get that. But, you know, I, I'm very glad that I did this when I was not 20. How old are you now? I'm 29. Okay. Because I wouldn't, uh, <clears throat> I would never be able to handle this. I mean, you have to understand with commenters, 90% oh, yeah. of every comment you read will not just be negative. It will be the worst thing ever. <laughs> I live for those people. Yeah, no, I deleted I our first it. one. Someone commented on Kevin. It was an old buddy of ours. And I was like, nope. Deleted. Yeah, oh. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't even, I don't even, I leave, I do allow all comments. I let people yeah. say anything. And I, le I, I think it's, it's great. It's engagement. And these people, mm -hmm. you know, they probably have shitty lives. And I have fun with it. I think they're great. I don't take it personally. There was one time, and it was actually recently, it was two months ago, where on a video that's now my most watched video ever, it was exploding at first. And I was like, whoa. So I was in there on the comments. And every what I did was in the pinned comment, I put sourcing as well. Mm -hmm. The information was 100% accurate. 
what he was saying in there. And I even included addendums to add to a couple things he said. Because again, it's a 34 – this is what happens with shorts. It's a 34-second clip. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> you, you can't read the encyclopedia in there. But people would just comment and say, he's a liar, fraud. And I would simply comment back like, hey, check out the pin source or whatever. And then people would come back and go comment to comment and be like, it's bullshit. The source is even yeah. wrong. All that, like they're reading, <laughs> I'm giving them the thing and they're reading it. And then they're, and I can't put screenshots on there, which sucks. I hate not being able to do that. I would solve a lot of problems. But like, then they're reporting back to the person who's coming in the comments. And that person might just assume like, oh yeah, this is all full shit. Move on. And I, I flipped out. I was like, oh, on my phone <laughs> for like three hours, two and a half, three hours. And then I like pulled out. I'd been standing next to the treadmill. And I hadn't even worked out yet. And I was like, oh, oh that's what it is. <laughs> that's what these yeah. people do. Yeah. And so that was, I'm like, well, I just figured out where my line is. When people lie after lying, after you provided them with the resources not to lie, that's my line. And so that was the first 2,000 comments. That post has, I don't know, 20,000 comments now. All the comments have been the same since then. I haven't reacted at all. Well, Julian, why I'm like, are you such a liar? That's an idiot on the internet. They're yeah. not going to like me anyway. In fact, they may hate me so much they're going to watch the podcast, which in which case, great. You're useful to me. You know, you're either, you're either never going to watch it and you're no problem to me. Cool. Or you're going to watch it and like jokes on you. Now so, I gotta they, they hate watch. <laughs> now we're going yeah. to. I win both ways. And that's how I've always looked at social. So, no, it does not. Like, I don't, I mean, you know, I'm a fucking soft five, you know, what you see is what you get. And then the information hopefully is like a good product. So I don't get too wrapped up in like what it is. I wear my t-shirt and my hat in episodes. We sit down, we talk, I edit it up and I put it out. That's really, that's all it is. I, I don't, you know, I, I keep a lot of things going on in my life private from social. You know, they get talked about on the podcast because we're just talking, but you know. I don't the, – whatever that matrix is, I missed most of that matrix, and I'm glad I did. But I wouldn't – I'd know that if – like when I look at these younger creators doing stupid shit online, I have a lot of empathy for that because I'm like, oh, a thousand percent that would have been. Yeah. Like you, you – me at 20? If, I, if TikTok just came out when I was 19, man. Dude, dude. You, you'd be <laughs> dude. in that forest where everyone kills dude. themselves in Japan, taking a <laughs> selfie with the fucking yeah, dead with people. Logan Paul. Yeah, yeah. bro, I'd be right yeah. next to him, bro. <laughs> and, and that's, you know what? That that's actually a great example. That was, I knew who Logan Paul was before that happened. I had seen his face. I'd heard his name. Yeah. Never watched to this day. The only vlogs I've ever watched are when I've been studying content, and that's in the last two years. I've never watched a vlog in my. I don't. That's not my thing, yeah. right? Like I'm glad people do it. I could totally do a good job, but like, you're not catching me watching David Dobrik, you know, but I'm now, now I'll look at some cause like I am really actually interested in all the editing they do. So sometimes like I'll be vaguely interested, but I knew if I were a casual fan, I wouldn't want to do that. So I'd never really looked at Logan's shit, but when that happened, you know, it was a scandal and I saw the reaction was like, this person needs to die. You know, he's yeah. the worst person ever. And that's when I go, click, okay, I'm not going to go take the opposite opinion just to be cool, but I'm going to be like, all right, let me go look at what yep. happened here. And then I went and I looked at it and I said, okay, that wasn't good. But like, obviously, yeah, he's had a lot taken from him, but 
he genuinely feels bad about it. He knows it was wrong. He's fucking 21, 22 years old. Yep. Like what? What do you what do you expect? The guy's been. I'm like he's been public since he was 14 or 15. He made a mistake. You know, if he doesn't give a fuck about it in a day, okay, then all right, maybe he's not a great guy. But like he did, changed how he did content after that forever. You know, and it's like I love that. I love seeing stuff like that. You know, so I don't get like people in the internet culture. Someone can't make a mistake. That's Kevin you Hart, know. my boy. Listen, that was that was I just saw Kevin Hart live uh, right before that happened too. like two months later. It's like his dream of hosting the Oscars. Gets yeah, going right from him. It's like well, the, here, here's here's the main thing that I shouldn't forget in this. I always try to ask myself, what are people's intentions? And it doesn't mean they're always going to be right. Like when people make mistakes, sometimes they do have bad intentions. And if they realize that afterwards, I can live with that. Like we're we're going to move on. Like if people's intent is good. I'm cool with it. You know, like I remember the, the video of Rogan that was going around with him and the M word and all that. Yeah. Okay. You remember the other video? And I had seen these videos before, by the way, but the other video that was going around where they were really high on a podcast years ago and he told the planet of the apes joke. That one, I don't know. All right. So basically he made a planet of the apes joke. But he was high about, as hell. <laughs> yeah, he was high as hell, and he was telling a story about when they went to go see a movie, and he and he's like, and we we went to I'll never forget it. We were really baked, and we saw Planet of the Apes, and when we came out, and then he described like the neighborhood as that, which you know one can put two and two together yeah. and be like, wow, that's kind of off. Yeah, I know as a comedian, as a high comedian, he was trying to say ridiculous, funny shit. I know the guy doesn't think that about black people it's the thing that happened at the time because it's the first thing in the universe that came into his mind while he was coming out with a joke quickly that's uh you and he apologized you want me to judge him for that yeah no you know how many uh... people that you talk to you'd have to judge on every my god on every single thing they'd say when we when you're not on camera like that's where society has lost their mind we gotta stop that the same thing happened with Morgan Wallen. I wanted to get in this a little bit too because you talked about uh, music, the Defiant ones. I haven't seen it. I'll watch that tonight. I'll let you know. That's so good. <laughs> um, I'm excited for you. Yeah, no, I, I am too because I knew right away you were talking about Eminem when you were starting that whole story. And I'm like, I don't know, no idea where this is going. So I'm excited, very excited for that. But um, I watch podcasts, you know, Full Send podcast with the, the kids. Yeah. They, they had yeah. Uh, Lil Durk on. So I watched the Lil Dirk podcast, and he was just saying the same exact thing about Mor Morgan Wallen. He has a song with Morgan Wallen, and the people were yeah. like, why the hell would you have a song with Morgan Wallen? Because it happened after he dropped the N-word. You asked Morgan Wallen, why did he drop the N-word? He said, dude, I was drunk and with my friends. <laughs> you guys caught me on my security camera. <laughs> like, yeah. like, fucking come on. Yeah. He's like, look, I'm sorry. I don't mean it. I was drunk with my friends. And Lil Dirk said, okay. And now they got a number one hit. And that was cool. Mm -hmm. Too on and Lil Durk's a really cool guy. Like awesome. he, my my cousin, he gave my cousin a shot and like, you know, and brought him with him traveling everywhere, doing everything. Yeah, and it's just wow. just a really good dude. And and I I feel a real kinship to Lil Durk because, you know, he's the exception. He was left for dead. The the industry he was like going to be the thing. They're like, oh, this talented nineteen year old's coming up. Universal Records signs him or whoever it was. And they made him change what he does yep. 
people didn't fuck with it. They dragged out whatever little money they could. They chalked it up as a failure. They let him go. In 2016, he had 2,000 streams a month. And he said, all right, I'm going to go back to what I do. I'm going to build it myself. And he did. And, like, yep. I have so much fucking respect for that. But the Morgan Whalen thing, like, that's such a great example of be of, that's an even better example because Morgan Whalen actually did like there there was I, I know he was drunk and with his friends but like you know it's fucked up like mm -hmm. that that can't happen but it should like should it be something that like you have to scarlet letter him forever and assume yeah. he's just that dude no and having someone like Lil Durk who's literally a black guy the voice rapper, like in the space and the voice like, <laughs> and be like yo you know what yeah. I fuck with this guy he's yeah. he's cool I know him like I don't I don't feel any type of way like I don't feel like he feels any type of way that's huge I think that's that's an awesome thing so you know I'm I'm sure Morgan Whalen's really grateful for that and it's a good that's a great little bow tie on a story that started negative yeah. you know and what now I mean Morgan Whalen can people, continue he can people keep going can, people can improve you know what yeah. I mean like I don't want to take that away you know if you want to sit here and say like all right Hitler couldn't improve yes I'll agree with you fine but like most people aren't Hitler, you know, they're not They're People yeah. aren't the worst thing you see them do in most cases. And they're not the best thing you see them do either. That's the trick. Yeah. It's a good point. Like we can't take away the, like the, like someone's ability to apologize and like recognize that they were wrong. Like right. we have to be able to accept that. Like if, if someone says, I'm sorry, I should have done that. And I was wrong for doing that. And you still don't accept that. Like what other option does that leave them? than to just kind of get further, you know, into that, that bad space. Well, people want to feel that power. The person sitting at home behind a keyboard who's maybe not even working a nine-to-five, they're collecting a check, they're living in their mom's basement with no hope, not working on anything, and, you know, they feel like they got a brain, they feel like they have something to say, and when someone powerful who has all this stuff that they wish they had because they feel like they should have it, when someone powerful does something wrong – they get to take the moral high ground there and be the judge, jury, and executioner as a part of the mob that gets to say, oh, we are not going to monetize this person anymore. We're going to destroy you. They get to throw them in the shackles of you know, the prison of not being allowed in public or join, not being allowed to do those things. Join so they get the off bottom. on it. Yeah, join, they they, they get them. off on it. It's insane. But like they would That's hate sad. if that happened to them though. Yes. But like since it's someone else, like, oh, it's cool. Like... He's got I'm enough money. He'll do it. He'll yeah. be fine. He's got money to deal with it. Some shit like that's that. And that's why you see it. And I actually do feel bad about it. Like, I don't sit there and say, haha, that's what you get. That's not my personality. But you will see it. I can't think of examples off the top of my head, but there's a lot. You'll see it with celebrities who were like calling things out and then they do it. You know? And then they have to be like, oh, shit. Oops. <laughs> and that's when you're calling it out and you have the platform too you're even more you're you're leading the mob so you better be like you better be towing whatever line you're holding people to because you know you're you're gonna hear it from people who aren't reasonable like me when when you make that mistake and a lot of people do i i just you know i i make mistakes all the time i have somewhat of a public life now like I'm going to make mistakes. It would be I hope the mistakes aren't too big. But, <laughs> like, if I feel bad about something, yeah, like, I'm going to tell people I'm sorry about that. And you know what? They're going to do what they're going to do. I don't – it's out of my control, you know? So I, I think a lot of a lot of the people who are in those roles, 
you know, they probably also feel like a lot of pressure, you know, to have to live up to something too. And that impacts how they, how they respond, not just the things that happen to them, but things that happen to other people that they feel compelled to comment on. It's yeah, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm thinking of too was that uh, we just watched this video a few nights ago, me and my family, about that uh, that Coney 2012 shit. Remember when that happened? Yeah. It was like dudes asking for all these donations to stop this know. warlord out in Africa, and like nothing ever happens. And it's like, brother, what what what's going on right now, man? That that whole thing was funny. Just <laughs> looking back at it, did you ever see that shit, Trevor? No. Nope. That was super big, like, and I was I was into this shit too. I was like, bro, I'm about to get a wristband. It's gonna stop this warlord in Africa. <laughs> and then, and then the dude that organized it like broke down and was like butt naked on the corner of the road on TMZ. Like it was the weirdest shit. And then like I don't think he gave much money to helping the actual people stopping Coney. And it's like, dude, what what's but going? I do remember Coney. I don't. I, I, it was hard for me to dab into politics because my family was right-leaning and I grew up in the south suburbs of Chicago, which is completely left-leaning and went to school with 3,000 people that were also left-leaning. So if I went to school and dove into politics, I'd come home and not be accepted. If I dove into politics at home, I'd go to school mm. and not be accepted. So I, was, I did not do politics until I joined the army. And then I joined the army, did politics, lost all my friends. <laughs> and then <laughs> now, I, now I'm back back a little bit into it but not i don't have enough history like that to kind of talk about my points or anything you know i don't don't have yeah. shit backing me up like coney or all that all the history i i gotta learn i i didn't learn it that was. shit was nuts bro it like was. it's hard to understate how viral that video went like it was like overnight had like tens of millions of views bro like it was insane how big that shit was and it was like oh it's just someone big one big scam like, like bro, don't it's worry amazing about it. how much of that shit happens because people feel they feel good when they go Boop. and that could include giving 10 bucks you know they want to feel good and you know it it plays into the economy of content creation in in a lot of good ways but it also plays into it in negative ways because then people you constantly see things and it's happening less now because people are trained more to check like more people are but you still constantly see things where it pops up and you know the masses just get behind it and now where they do it less in things like that where there's money involved more in things like politics you know they throw out someone puts out a good 60 character tweet 70 character tweet short succinct simple Drops a bomb. Jeez. That's how people think about it from now yeah. on. It anchors people. Yeah. Powerful. It's tough because it's, I mean, like you said, it's just a click of a button from anywhere in the world. It could be anyone, right. anywhere, anytime. And it could just change everyone's, not everyone's, but the people who are listening, their thoughts right away. Right away yeah, and right. I also never want to, I, I never want to assume that people are, I never want to assume that people can't do things or think for themselves. I think that's an assumption, you know, politicians have and that they use and they say, well, these people don't have the information and therefore they shouldn't be a part of the conversation. 
that's a that's a huge mistake. You you can't do that. But you also need to figure out a way where on certain things there can be some level of awareness. You know, like so it's a place where I don't have an answer because I'm like, well, how do you do that? You know, cynically, yeah. you're always just going to have people who are going to go with shit because you know what? They have lives, man. They got other shit to worry about. They don't have time to sit there and research stuff. You know, it, it sounds simple, but it's not. You know, if if I'm if I have two kids, I'm working a nine to five and taking them to sports practice at night. And the only time I get is like when I'm sitting at a red light, which you shouldn't be doing, but you're sitting <laughs> at a red light and you're reading a couple tweets. That's what you're going to think, man, you know, and like you have every right to think that. So I, I think it'll always be imperfect in that way. Yeah, and the, the information thing is kind of funny because, I mean, that's another th thing Andrew touched on. It's like, what do we what do we tell people? And what do we not? If Hitler came and we held him here for 40 years, should we tell the American like shit like that? Like, wh Where's the line of what we tell people and what yeah. we don't? And the line right now is we tell them jack shit. Let them figure it out. Yeah, and that's the fucking and, problem, because now no one knows shit. Like you said, we can't read. Not everyone can research. Not everyone's sitting at home with a computer. Not everyone has a computer. <laughs> if you got to research on your phone, that's more tedious than doing it on a computer. That's for damn sure. Just shit like, like that. Yeah. A great example would be JFK. It's a great example because it was a long time ago now. But, like, the CIA was going to release all the documents years ago, right? They set a timeline, like, 50 years or something like that. Well, that came and went. And they're still holding everything. And most people get upset about it. I'd love to know. You know, I'd love to read. I, I already know. I, I know they had something to do with it. But, like, I'd love to read who it was because I love the story and everything. But, like, I get it. Other people are going to be like, fuck them. They can't. Whatever. I'm like organizations are imperfect sometimes bad people get involved if you then have information that is powerful enough among the masses to risk the future of the organization existing you need to think about things that are beyond just that organization if tomorrow we found out that the cia whacked kennedy in a document i believe the the cia would not exist the next day the country would be like, in an uproar yes the whole country and and as much of a problem as I have with certain tactics and some things that happen with certain people at the CIA, they do a lot of very, very, very good work as well. Stuff that we need to happen that stops a lot of stuff that we don't see. And the danger of that argument, and you hear me argue for privacy all the time, I'm not one of these guys who's like Andy, like, give yeah. me everything. Like, no, I go hard <laughs> at him on that. Yeah. Fuck that. No, that, that's why but, I brought it up because that, that is the one thing that you you definitely – challenged him on because you're like yeah. this is bullshit <laughs> yeah you know why because andy's been on four continents doing missions where he's killing people at close range i'm putting words in his mouth he didn't tell me this but i'm saying like he's been on missions yeah. where he is with the most dangerous people in the world most dangerous people there are who kill thousands of people on command where now it's his job i don't know if he has to kill him but you know what i mean like he's at least next to them undercover yeah. seeing this up close seeing what real third world shit looks like and you're going to be biased by that opinion and i understand that and i also don't think the answer is nothing right but i do think there has to be a line to what information you make accessible because information is backed by laws which are backed by courts and by the by the people who write the laws that the courts uphold 
And as those things shift over time, and I don't know how they're shifting, but like if they did, you have to think about what precedent's going to do and what it could allow them to use in the future that is not afforded their right to use right now. So I'll always draw that line, but I understand where a guy like that comes from. He's done a lot of, I'll call what it is, he's done a lot of heroic work. You know, he was one of the undercover spies. He wasn't one of these office dealers doing some of the bad shit, you know, and obviously they have people out in the field who do bad shit too. But knowing where he was and the things that were were at stake, I have a great appreciation for it. I might feel differently if, if he had been stationed in some other places, for sure, but knowing where what part of the world that was in, I, I think I think a guy like that did a lot of really, really important work. So I, don't, I wouldn't want the organization to fall because there were three or four scumbags. Yeah. And that's what they were, scumbags in the early 60s who were hell-bent on world domination, which they were. These things can all be true at the same time, man. Like John Brennan was the head of the CIA six years ago. That dude's the scum of the earth. Right, yeah. but you know, Michael Morell was, uh, I think, acting director before him. Less scum of the earth, George Tenet, less, who comes under a lot of fire because he was ninety-seven to four. I like George Tenet. Made made mistakes, you know. He was there during some rough years. Also did some great things. We only talk about the mistakes, you know. So like, there's some good people that come through that type of job. Sometimes you get a bad person. So when you do. Try to get them out as soon as possible, and you try to keep the powers of such an organization in check, which cynically, I also think they have too much power. That so, is a problem. But when a bad person does a bad thing, and we all know it's – well, we don't all know it's a bad person. Should we tell the people that that bad person did it? So if they did shoot JFK, we know this is a bad leader that was, and the CIA was in a bad spot. Should we, for the sake of history, or we wait it out a little more? Because if we tell them now – I would be able to handle that. I would be able to think through it. But you got I mean, I think about all the people that are sheep just scrolling through social media who it's really going to affect. I don't think I want that information out there at all. Sheep, when banded together behind a cause for no benefit of themselves, can become wolves. And the question is, what is the crossing pattern of a secret that is too big? You know? What is what is the moment where yeah. something is too big that the net benefit of releasing it is far below the downside of not? There's no there's very little downside other than distrust, public distrust, which that ship sailed a long time ago for yeah, the CIA. True. Yeah, that is true. You know, releasing yeah. JFK. There's no incentive. What they they want to put it on the conspiracy forum on Reddit to make those people happy? Fuck no. There's no incentive. The incentive would just be people want it. Yeah. And then the people who want it, who might be reasonable about it, don't appreciate the fact that a lot of people won't be. And yeah. so, you know, I don't think that's, you know, whereas something like uh, maybe like maybe like a Rand Contra or something like that. Maybe you could talk about that. That's not that doesn't seem to be as big. That seems to make more sense in the realm of missions. What that did they you go say? After. I'm sorry. Or what? Like a Rand Contra. Like if they actually really released a lot of info on that, that oh, they know. Okay. Yeah. That they could probably be fine with. But like kill a US president? 
Yeah, that would be. going to be fine on that one. Yeah, no. We were talking about that with your dad, Trevor. You asked him if there was like aliens, if if he would release that, like if he could. And I was like, I mean, I wouldn't. Like, if I had, you know, evidence of extraterrestrial life, if I'm the government, I'm not going to release that to the people. Like, there would be riots in the street if that happened. It's like yeah. it's like in Men in Black. A person is smart, but people, you know, collected are not smart. They're right they have like a hive mentality you know that's it and it's like i was thinking about this when i was like <sighs> if you're like a huge trump supporter because you believe in him right and you know your intentions are all good and there's a lot of people like that for sure i know them if you thought that they were doing all this shit to him and you know, destroying him in the media, bringing the whole arm of the government after him, all this shit. Would you, if you found out in the afterlife <laughs> that he was the alien and they just couldn't tell you, would you forgive him? You'd probably forgive him. I would, I'm not yeah. saying that's what it is, obviously. But, you know, nothing's out of the realm of possibility. I do wonder that sometimes. I'm like, maybe he's like the alien. Maybe that's what it, and they know it, and they can't tell us. And so they're, like, panicking, like, oh, my God, how do we do this? How do we get rid of him? Oh, my God. <laughs> and that's how, that, then they end up driving everyone right into his arms. You know, by, it's the reverse psychology of, of what they do. But I don't know. What's your, what's your take on aliens? I think it's unreasonable to assume that there's not life out there within the universe i think that's a really unreasonable assumption yeah. we don't know how big and infinite it is i think it's also an unreasonable assumption to not wonder if this is a simulation okay that was going to be my next question <laughs> yeah I, I, I think that's that's possible for sure there's things that are very indescribable pyramids <laughs> i wasn't even talking about that but yes absolutely <laughs> like there's yeah. there's some things that make no sense so I think they're out there. It's it's a topic I've gotten interested in over the last year. I never was. Like, yeah, I never, me neither. Yeah. I never was, but now. The Bob Lazar, have you seen any of it? Like the Joe Rogan Bob Lazar or his, his documentary? Yeah. yeah. That's what first got me into it was like, there's this, if this dude is even lying, that's the first thing. Oh, this guy's, this guy's lying because I don't want to believe it. Right. He's been lying for quite some time and his whole story still adds up. <laughs> so... The dude's not lying and there's shit's going on. There's shit going on and it took me even 24 years to find it. I don't even know yeah. I, it, like yeah, I don't know, but I don't know if that's something I'd want just like you uh the 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 podcast thing. If someone told you, "Look, you'll you'll be here now 3 months ago, would you be here now?" If someone came and told me there's aliens here, would we be I mean, we're going to live a completely If someone said, "Hey, this is a simulation." Half half of America it's going to jump off a cliff, bro. It's a simulation. I don't give a fuck. Half America's already depressed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if, it's a, <laughs> if, if you come out and tell everyone your life's a yeah. lie, it's, a, it's another yeah. information thing you can't give, give out. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, where, what's the, you know, I think their crossing point of anything below here, but not anything above here is probably wrong. Like, but where is it? And for me, like, it's below whacking JFK. <laughs> like, if I, I would point. not yeah. 
yeah. would not the people who were there weren't alive when that happened like you know there's been yeah. four generations since then they're gonna threaten all the good work they do and some of them maybe not so good work but you know what i mean like they're gonna threaten all that on some dude who's been in the ground for forever no it's crazy yeah and the guy that shot him is what did he die like not that long after he shot JFK? He got assassinated too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lee Harvey Oswald. Who like was... every everyone involved is fucking been in the earth since you know 30, 40 years ago. That, like, hey, probably... that ties into the uh the Mamu. I just watched The Irishman. Oh yeah. And at the end Well, uh... you saw the part where the CIA dropped off the the weapons or whatever. Where where they're throwing it off in the river or what? Where what they where about? the guy pulls in in the truck. And they take the he takes the keys, and he's like, "We later found out he worked for the CIA." I don't remember, man. I'm it's sorry, a long movie. But it probably, a no, it's probably because I'm focused on this part where they asked, they're like, "All right, who did it?" He's like, "I can't tell you." And I look, everyone's dead, man. Like he's rolling out of the nursing home, and his two like agents there, like, "Okay, tell us the story." He's like, "I can't." They're like, "Look, who's who's gonna get hurt?" He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. <laughs> Who's going to get hurt? Why would you not just tell us? Well, the CIA were it was it's part of the reason it makes it too big because the CIA most certainly worked with the mob in some capacity to do it. It's also without doubt at this like when people called the JFK thing a conspiracy theory, I stopped them right there. I'm like, no, no, no. No, no, no. This is real. Even if we don't we don't know every single thing, we do know who was involved. It's not a theory. This is back. Jack Ruby long time mob mob associate like that was one part of it but like jfk is so interesting he's one of the most important people ever because he was arguably the people's president and he got it and yet he was the son of someone who technically put him there he was you know a serial philanderer which i guess people in culture kind of view that as legendary but you get what i mean right and he also won the election illegally he didn't win that election the what? mob sam giancana stuffed the boxes in chicago and dallas and a few other metro areas in illinois and texas and jfk narrowly won those states to win the election and that is because jfk's father worked with those guys during the prohibition era and afterwards and he went to his old friends in the mafia and said johnny's going to be president i need your help go do this and what did they want in in return well, the Cover 1957 Appalachian conference had happened. They had a lot of attention on them. They had their first hearings in D.C. They were nervous about that, and they said, we don't want any attention. We want to do our business and do our work. Okay, no problem. Puts JFK in office. JFK makes Robert F. Kennedy, his brother, the AG. AG makes it his thing to go after La Cosa Nostra. So why cut off the tail when you can cut off the head? They were motivated to go after him, too. And the CIA was motivated because Kennedy was calling out the top ranking guys at the CIA and the shit they were doing. Because they almost – I mean you're sitting there as the president. You got to take responsibility for everything. They almost caused a nuclear war because their intelligence that they came to a brand new president with was wrong. And it was, it was politically backed. And he saw what was happening. And so he called their asses out. His brother called the mob out. Mob, CIA, shake hands. All right, well, we both want this to happen. Fuck it. Didn't That's his brother like, die, too? Like, not that long after? Yeah, his brother was killed by Sirhan Sirhan in 68, I think. Like, five years after that, then? 
Yeah. Pretty a pretty yeah. short time though. Yeah, they're they're a really uh you know, they're like the 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 Kennedys feel like Kennedys feel a lot like the Corleones. They're the American dream and the American dark side. Like the American dream when gotten through ill-gotten gains leads to tragedy that's unspeakable in the generations to come. And that is one family that seems to have tragedy after tragedy. For all the money they got still to this day, all the pool, you know. Yeah. I think about that a lot. I don't know. Like a tragedy magnet, yeah. 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 So, but he was look, he was he was a great president. There's no he was president for two and a half years. He was a really important president, if not for the fact that Yeah, what? You know, he died and his work died with him. Got whacked. Other than that, <laughs> he was fantastic. He was great because <laughs> while he was there, he was trying yeah. to do it. Uh, yeah. He was trying to do the right thing. What do you see uh, uniting America? Do you see any anything that could unite or one thing you'd like to see that would unite? Because we talked about uh, sheep's, sheep in a group can eventually over, override that top power, override the lion atop and, and take over or, or get them out of office or whatever it may be. I personally, I think it's, it's just got to be something. It's got to be something huge. It's got to be like a war or something. But then, it, then Ukraine happened and... No one gives a shit still. I mean, now we're not directly in we're it. Not there. Yeah, we're not directly we're in not it. Here. Yeah. Um, but I something something's gotta happen. I just don't know what it is. What do you yeah, think? I, I think I think um I think the government and intelligence is already working on that. And I, I listen, I, I hate war and I some of my most least favorite words put together in the English language are we need a war. I think it's a horrible thing to say. Yeah. But I'm not the one making decisions and I think that's exactly what people at the top are saying, because I think that 1% starts to see is starting to see that things are going so far that it can get to a point where it will even be out of their control here. I think they're starting to appreciate that. That's why you're starting to see the right and left agree on something they should have agreed on right away, which is that they both don't like Russia and they both don't like China. These are not difficult things. One is fascism. One is communism. They're both awful. Yep. Right. And so the probably of all the shit Andy said in my podcast with him, because he he revealed a lot in those yeah. two episodes. Oh yeah, he revealed a lot. But the one thing that nobody's talking about that was the number one thing that I'm thinking about is he had a point where he said we need to unite against a common enemy. And I looked at him and I was like, you talking domestically? And he goes, no. And then I started putting together everything he was saying. I'm like, you're saying, to I think I said, like, you're saying towards, we need a war. And he, I'm paraphrasing, but this is what he expanded upon. And he's like, we need to figure out who doesn't like us out there and who we can all not like together. And so now I see... You know, he went on Danny's podcast and then he did the same thing on mine where he said, and then I don't know, did he do it on Lex Friedman where he talked about Taiwan? No. I think. I don't, I don't did, remember Taiwan. Lex didn't ask him. Well, he said on 
Danny's podcast and mine. He expects China to invade Taiwan. Yes, in I, I remember it from your guys. Yeah, yeah. No, he so, broke. He broke the whole thing down too. He what was, he broke the Ukraine one down too. It was insane. His predictions yeah. on it all. It and that very good. Th- yeah, you think about it, and you're like, this all just makes sense. <laughs> spot on. Yeah, he was he was, well, he was spot yeah. on on most stuff. Um, but the way I see that going, and then I consider, yeah, he probably is active CIA. <laughs> And then I, I put some things together I know behind the scenes on some other stuff that I start to line up in my head. And I'm like, he's telling us something for sure. And then, yeah. I mean, he he two weeks later, after the last one, Pelosi's landed in Taiwan. I mean. Come on. That yeah. would be an awfully large coincidence. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I don't know what to think on that. I'm definitely banned from ever going to Russia. I know that. <laughs> Why um, are you banned from I, Russia? I, I, I just mean, from your podcast, just having them on. Yeah, we've made we've they've we've done tens of millions of views. On I probably the I probably wouldn't over. go there if I were you either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like my videos, some of them get banned only specifically in Russia, oh, which okay. is happening to other people, but it's only the videos that mention them. <laughs> so, really? There's something oh, to that. Yeah, you want but, to uh, say yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah I would not. I had no interest anyway. That's okay. <laughs> um, but another place I probably wouldn't go is, is China. And, you know, I do always try to separate. I, I make sure to separate the people from the government. That's something that in the modern world we need to understand better. Very hard to do that in Nazi Germany because of the lack, the insular nature of the world back then. But now one thing we do know about China is their people are loyal to their country, of course, which I understand. But they do go other places. They have seen other things. There's a lot of people there who don't like what's going on to a great extent. And there's a lot of people who are starving. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people that live under that regime and don't like it. So those people, you know, I have to worry about America first as an American, it, just like Britain has to worry about Britain. Russia's got to worry about Russia. Like, I, that's how it works. But, you know, yeah, I, I'd love to see people like that eventually not live under something like that. It happened in a democratic way and they can do their own thing. I'm not I, I don't. I don't want America having their map all over the world. I, it's too much. I, I don't like that. I don't like empire. That's fucking bullshit. I have no interest in that. I just want to see people live freely and do their thing and feel their way about their country that we can feel about ours. So it's not on us to make that happen. That just unfortunately is the reality. It's not to take away from what's happening to some people over there, but it's not on us to do that. If they gave us a reason to do it, though, that's a different story. And I hope to not see that, but I'm starting to feel like that's what they want to happen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look at how united we were after 9 11 happened. Yep. Like, I don't remember it, but I remember all my teachers growing up saying, like, oh, I hated 9 11, but I'd give anything for a 9 12. Yes. And that, man, that, like, people forget that was eight months after the most contested election ever. That was with Al Gore, right? And George Bush? Yes. And people forgot that so quick. George Bush's approval ratings in the six months after that disaster 
I don't have them in front of me, but they were some of the highest in the history of the country. When he threw that first pitch at the Yankee game, right Straight. down the pipe, ninety percent right approval rating, right down the middle, dude. And that's what I'm saying. Like there were <laughs> some things that were just bigger, and they look at that model, and they go, you know, like there's some people who say there that there were some people in the government who weren't, they weren't annoyed that 9/11 happened. You know, like I'm not, I, I don't, I don't subscribe to any conspiracy theories with that. I, I, I think, I think it's way too much crazy shit. But, you know, I have always said, I said, multiple things can be true at the same time. People can be devastated that happened. People in the powers that be in government can be devastated that happened. And people that happen to be in the powers that be in government at that time can be bad people who then take advantage of that situation and do whatever they want. That's what humans do. And that's what they did. You know, we we did a – I would argue we did a terrific job in Afghanistan for a while when we first got there because that's where we had to go there. We had to do what we had to do. I mean that was crazy what happened. And the CIA, give them a lot of props. They did a great job on the ground. And then somewhere along the way, someone in the White House said we have to do it in Iraq now. And it's not the fault of anyone – like you guys served, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the fault of anyone in the army or marines to have to go there. You guys served admirably. Thank you for your service. It's, it's a beautiful thing. But the people in Washington, D.C. who call the shots are putting our guys in harm's way for things that have nothing to do with anything. You can't police the whole world, man. But they all profit off of it and people come home yeah. without limbs so or don't come home at all. Yeah, the Afghanistan thing is what opened my eyes to that. And that's, that was right when I was getting out of the military, too. So that's really what hurt me is because I saw, like, the plane the plane on Instagram where they're taking off and the guys are falling off. Like, like yeah. I, I, my buddies are in that plane. Like, yeah. like I'm, I'm upset Literally, about Literally, in that exact yeah. same plane yeah. that the like, dude's falling off the, like, the I got a I got a video on Instagram. Shouldn't have been taken, but it, it was of a dead body on the side of the plane of oh. my buddy taking the picture. That guy, I don't think survived, but <laughs> the, no, uh, the guy who got, took the video got kicked out. Yeah, yeah, kicked out yeah. the army. Yeah, yeah, because he took the video of the guy on the side of the plane while they took off, just waggling. It. That's how bad they wanted to get out of there, man. They but wanted, yeah. they wanted it that badly. But and that, I had so much, I had so much respect for that too. Yeah, oh, but, yeah. and then any one of us would do the same thing. And not yeah. even a, a year earlier, it was my first deployment. I went to Iraq, and I had to move everything from Iraq to that Afghanistan location. So a year before, mm. I'm setting up this – my life sucks. It's 115 degrees. I'm setting up this whole base for us in Afghanistan. We're doing a lot of shit. Like the missions, we're going down. Shit's happening. We're getting shit done. I finally get home. I get out of the Army. And then they're like, all right, we're out of here. What the fuck? Like, and then the Taliban's in the door the And then hour. right away. Yeah. So I was just over there risking my life. My marriage, yeah. my family, all this bullshit. My marriage got lost. I've lost friends. My family was hard to stay in contact with. And then y'all just yoinked that shit anyways. And just like nothing happened. Like who cares what's going on over there anymore? We're back to us. Who cares what we did to our, our people? Let's just get out of there. And then I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, wait, so everything I did over there, I wanted to do it. Don't get me wrong. I signed the line because I wanted to go over there for my family. But now I'm getting orders to do this from 
people who aren't in the right mindset. Right. Like I'm, if I'm getting an order from Joe Biden right now, just like everyone in the military, I mean, Kevin could speak on it too, but the morale within the army when President Trump got, uh, or when Joe Biden got elected and Trump out of office went straight down, like the, just overall in general of the whole army oh, went yeah. straight Especially down. After the Afghanistan thing, because like, just brother, like this, yeah, just like this view, you get this view of wait. So I'm putting my life on the line. These people are calling the shots here. I am thinking this was a good idea, age 19, because right. I'm growing up thinking, let me fight the war for my family. Then I get into the war, I do it, I get out, and they pull pull out of Afghanistan, and now it's for nothing because these guys higher up above me in the one percent who don't give a shit about me decided to. <laughs> right that's it yeah and, and that's that's uh, see and you're you guys are talking about it from the inside which has to ring a whole lot harder than anyone like me could ever talk about it but from the outside it's like holy shit man you know and, and it's not it's not anyone's fault but that's why like i don't want to see anything happen that that doesn't need to happen i don't want to see anything forced yeah. And cynically, feels like that's not how it's going to go. Um, you know, there, there's, there's just there, there's a lot of information flying around on that, and I'll, I'll see how it, how it pans out here. But everything that's happening is certainly sketchy, and um, <laughs> you know, hopefully it doesn't, it doesn't blow up into something far too big. Let me, let me ask you this then real quick, like on that note, is it seems like there's an infinite amount of shit to be like, like sad about. Like if you go on the CNN and it's like every headline is meant to make you sad or pissed off. So it's right. like, how do you kind of like stay up in that environment? You got like a greater calling or something? Um, Well, I think we all have that challenge. And I think it does get people down sometimes i mean i my phone tortures me man because my i know what my feed looks like my my feed has everything so i get cnn and i get followed up by fox news right away and it's just oh, constantly yeah. like oh god from the news app or whatever yeah. on on yeah. the iphone <laughs> and um you know it's it's easy to feel less hope but it kind of goes back to something else I was saying about something else overall. Like, I can only control what I can control. And if in some of our conversations where it's relevant, you know, people get some good ideas from whoever I bring in here, says what they say, and people listening take something from that, then I'm doing a small part and moving something forward. You know, but that's not always how it works either people take the opposite and they don't like what people say and that's okay too like i i don't want i i don't want to live in a world where people agree with me you know like of course i want agreement but it's impossible to have that on everything like when people start parroting everything you think well now you've run into a problem because there's no way they think all those same things and that kind of speaks to what we do in society so when i see these corporate people sending out their news notifications i know what it is they're trying to get a click and they're gonna milk it in a way that draws the most ire you know i i think i think steven pinker talked about it in one of his books but like he said i think it was him 
he gave the mothers against drunk driving example. He goes, amazing work, obviously what they do. And they're all moms who they found the work out of tragedy because they lost a daughter or son to a drunk driver. We all can empathize with that. You know, you lose a child. That's like the worst thing ever. But they have to constantly raise money because their goal over the long term is to get rid of this. And hopefully that organization doesn't have to exist. But on the way there, it has to exist and they got to raise money. And so when they do that, do you think they send out an email on December 31st on the last day of the year that says, guess what, guys? We got all the drunk driving to go down by 37% this year. We're doing great. No, because that makes people go, oh, yeah, look at you this. You don't need wow, my money working. anymore. That's cool. Yeah. I don't need to get exactly. I don't need to give it money. But if they send out a letter that says, we just lost five people in the last week in a, in a, in a five-county region of this part of America because the problem is as bad as ever before, boom, now they raise money. Yeah. It's like I'm a capitalist. I believe capitalism is the best system. I don't think the other ones have, have proven to work, but I am a realist. And so capitalists don't appreciate how I talk about it because it is very imperfect. And I talk yeah. about that a lot. But there's got not a lot many, of problems. Not many better ones out there. There are not. <laughs> it is it can be the best thing, actually, even by a good margin as well. But like in the utopian world, if the utopian world's 100%, capitalism sits at 60. The problem is the competition sits at 20. Yeah. So, like, I'm not going to take the higher ground and say, so therefore we shouldn't have it. Ha ha. We'll go take one of those. Yeah. And now I lost 40%. Let's get Trump out of office. Same exact situation. <laughs> yeah. Well, some people might look at it that way, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. regardless of, of, what policies work or, or what doesn't the overall system itself of capitalism it makes sense it just you have to understand there's going to be dead bodies with it too yeah it's with anything it's just how it is with human beings are imperfect just, so you are going to have good bad people take advantage of good systems yeah it's that whole two things can be true at the same time i yes. think that gets lost on a lot of people it's like okay yes. no one is entirely good or entirely evil it's like a thing can be pretty good, but also not good in some other cases, like capitalism. It's it's right. not like we've figured out the perfect, like, okay, you know, this is the best way to do things, and, and we know that for a fact. It's like things can be generally good, but also not that good in some other areas. Right. Right. And and that's that's, you know, multiple things being true at the same time is something I do talk about a lot because we live in a very complex world. This is not a simple place. I wish it were, but it's not. And in almost every situation, actually probably every situation, and I won't expand upon that, multiple things are true at the same time. They can lean hard in the more right than wrong or more wrong than right. Don't get me wrong. Like they can go hard 90 to 10, 95 to 5, but there are multiple things that are true. And I use this example with the Russia-Ukraine thing all the time. You know, there's a lot that's true. Yeah. yeah, There's a lot that's true. And yes, Russia's awful. Putin's a horrible dude. You know, it'd be great to see him not run things there. But then again, who the fuck is going to run it after him? You know, what? Are they, it's just, it's built in, like how they're going to yeah. do. It was just and, like uh, the North Korea shit's the same. If Kim Jong-un leads, I think it's his sister who's in charge and 
They right. Can, they and that's even her worse. to Daenerys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that, you know, so yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? But like, you look at the whole Ukraine thing, there's 45 million people that live there. A lot of those people are good, normal people. This is horrible what's happening to them. And like, in a way, like, yeah, I want to, I want to see them get help. That's, that's terrible. But the idea that like all 45 million people, including the government are filled with the most moral upstanding citizens who are just phenomenal people who we must stand. Well, that's not entirely true. Yeah. You know, it can be, yeah, I think Russia's definitely a lot more wrong here. They're the ones who are invading. This is bullshit what they're doing. But when you start blindly saying anything they need, we said, well, yeah. where's that going? Yeah. You know, what is that doing? Putin's wrong. They're not all Nazis. That's insane. But then people are like, well, there are literally zero. No, there's not. Just like there's not zero in America. There's not zero there either. Yeah. There's some bad people. Right? Just more of them are good. So how do we work around this? No one wants to have that conversation. No one wants to figure out, you know, people want all or nothing. They want you left or right. And like most of these situations, they're not there. They live in that middle 30, yeah. 40%. Well, that's, that was one thing Kevin got me to open my eyes up to, Kev. That is, that is uh, what? what you were like. If the U.S. is in Ukraine for any reason... They got something the U.S. wants. <laughs> like th yeah. there's there's something going on there. The U we're not just there just because. We're not. Yeah, we're not giving them forty billion dollars yeah, because no. it it's the morally correct no. thing to do. It's like, bro, we're washing no. our hands of this money. It's not hard to see. Like the government's done that before. Why would we yeah. not do it again? Andy actually called it. He said it was a genius move by the Biden administration. I think his argument's actually great. What was he said, you know, more? Biden, Biden's having the, I always say the administration because it ain't him calling shots. But, <laughs> uh, the, the Come administration on, is having a lot of problems with inflation and economics and things that certainly are things they inherited long before yeah. them, many, many, many presidents before. But it's starting to get to a crisis point in wake of the global financial crisis that happened 14 years ago now. But, you know, this the way we're doing this we are going to have them on the hook into perpetuity and he explained it like it strengthens the u.s dollar like he went through all this shit that's yeah you're right i and know what you're talking a about lot of sense. i know what you're talking like they're uh they're caught on our our line our fishing they're indebted to us they're caught yeah, on our yeah. fishing room we're just over here really that money isn't a grant no. Like yeah. they're gonna have to. Like there's still got to be people paying yeah. back World War II era loans like that. Like yeah. we're gonna and have the you. Go ahead. Th th I'm sorry. That that's an incredible, incredibly strategic location. In Ukraine, right Think next to Russia. It. Not just right next to Russia. It's the biggest nation separating the east from the west. Russia and China. Yeah. Right. So that having that station right there and being able to do what you want with that, hard hard for me to argue against that. Yeah, I mean strategically, it's a very sound thing to do. Like, yeah, I, I applaud but him then, for that much. Well, then he went into what was it? he was talking about how we we have no reason to go into Ukraine. Yeah, this is a good strategic idea, but the line stops when they ask for our troops because we, there's no. Like, what are we going to get out of Ukraine? Right. We're already getting their oil because we're paying them money or whatever. Whatever right. they have inside of Ukraine, we can get. Why would we right. need that spot? And to them, to Russia, that spot is more important. So we're not going to invade there. 
Because why would we fight Russia against that? I don't. If I had the answers, I wouldn't be saying. Yeah, yeah. It'd be hard. Yeah, it'd be hard to get the public on, you know, on board with that after everything that happened in like Vietnam. Like I could see. I mean, there's still Vietnam vets that are alive. Like right. It's hard. The situations, you know, parallel pretty pretty similarly. I think. It's hard. But guys, I I actually I have a four o'clock coming up. Yeah. You don't mind. I, I no, don't yeah. like cutting this short. I didn't expect. No, great. this is long. Ours are normal. Our, we're not a long form. So I'm, I'm surprised okay. we went. Yeah, we're, we just do normally an hour to like an hour 15. So this is this is money. I'm content, glad we man. did it. Thank yeah. you for having me, man. Yeah, no, man, for sure. I appreciate everything you're doing. I, I'm glad you came on this. Uh, like I said, great opportunity for us. I'm, I'm excited to see what comes out of it. Um, yeah, man. Catch you on the on the flip. I'll, I'll stay up with your content. For sure. Absolutely. And th- thank you guys for, for checking my stuff out. That's awesome. I really, really Yeah, thanks for that. coming on, bro. No bullshit. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Let me know how you guys are doing. Yeah. Right, With brother. that, though, stay sane when you're doing them uh them clips. I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, man, again, thank you so much. You have a good one, and uh, enjoy it. All right, fellas. I'll catch you later. Peace. Peace out. See ya.